0: Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking.
1: Hi. Welcome to episode number 126 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop. With me is my co-host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop, and today's special guest is Freddie Roman. You may know him from such things as periodcraftsman.com or speaking at WIA if you've seen him there as well. But anyway, Diami, Freddie, how's everybody doing?
2: Hi, Sean. Hey, Sean. Doing well, thank you. <laughs>
1: Good. Good. Uh, well, let's uh, jump right into it. Diami, I see a short list here. What's uh, what's going on in your shop?
0: A lot of little things. Um, okay. Let me see. I got tired of... Well, I've got the big sanding cart
1: that I the use. The one with the ghetto arm thing on it?
0: <laughs> exactly. I've got my, my ghetto boom arm hanging off my sanding cart. It holds all my sanders on it. And as I'm... As I'm sanding flat pieces and curved pieces tend to be a little bit differently because I'm with a curved piece, I'm typically changing paper on the same sander. But on flat pieces, I typically set up each sander with a different grit and I rotate through sanders rather than through paper. So as I'm doing that, if I want to sand what I'm, or excuse me, if I want to vacuum what I'm working on in between grits or just at the end, I have to disconnect the festool hose from my vacuum. Connect what is what I have as a rigid hose into my vacuum and vacuum off the top of it and then go back. And I typically, because I'm using the CT22 vacuum, I have to throttle back the uh, the speed because I'm using it as a medium speed with sander and full speed when I'm just uh, vacuuming. So this is you know this is a first world shop problem, but it's it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> so I have you know being a homeowner for many years at this point, I have shop vacs just kicking around that are older and were never intended for the workshop. So I have this really it's probably going on a decade old. It's one of those like suitcase style, rigid, portable shop vacs.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw your picture of it. I um, haven't seen one of those in a while, although I, I don't really pay attention. Well, to them, I've right? checked but...
0: because I had to buy a filter and a bag for it. They still sell it. <laughs> okay. Um, but it, it's it's kind of convenient, and I got it years ago thinking it would be nice to tote around the house and just when I had little things to do. But in practice, I've never used it. And most of the time when I'm using it around the house, I'm vacuuming up.
3: Uh...
0: Sawdust? No, well, in the shop, Not sawdust. Dog, but in man. the house, it's it's uh, sheetrock and spackle and what's it called? Oh. Um looks like spackle dust, you know. It's just the fine dust. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I typically go. I, I often bring in my CT with the cyclone uh, with the dust deputy on it, so I'm not clogging up a a bag. Um, because this this sh- spackle dust will just you know clog a filter like nobody's business. Um, I don't know, but sure. anyway, so I've got this thing. So I figured, let me just. I can throw that under my bench because it's nice and small, and I can. It's got a nice big on off switch that I can just kick with my foot and turn it on and off. And I'll set up a dust deputy on it so that I'm not clogging up the filter all the time. And if I'm just using it to vacuum off things at my bench, it should go a long time before it's full. So uh so I picked up a dust deputy and I've spent on and off the last couple of days getting it set up. I ran out of screws and washers, so I just today I bought the parts to
1: actually finish it. Did um, so did you get the one that is just the cyclone? Yes. Okay, so the the only time and and um, I don't have one personally, but my I got one from my dad for Christmas ooh, mm-hmm. five some years ago. But it was a deal that it came with the bucket, the gasket, the bolts, everything.
0: Okay, see, as we were discussing pre-show, um, I have this is my third dust deputy, right? And every one I've bought is just the cyclone. I've never bought. Yeah, one I
1: understand pair. that you can get them like that, and I do have a fair amount of five-gallon buckets that I could just drill a hole in and make it work but um anyway for what i got previously was a was a whole kit but i okay well hardware neat necessary
0: i think it's a bit of work to set this thing up or i've made it a bit of work but i think i've if it works the way i intend it to work i think i will have tangibly improved the process because when you when you attach it to a regular five gallon bucket lid it's not the most convenient thing to snap a five gallon bucket lid on and off. Mm-hmm. It becomes a little tedious, and the sweet ones
1: are the screw top ones. Well, that's
0: those, and that's exactly it. So that's what I did. Uh-huh. Is the the other two I have right now are set on regular five gallon bucket lids. So I took one of the screw top ones, but the screw top one, it, the the top of it's not flat by any means. It's got this no, red pattern like in it.
1: Major corrugation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So I cut a circle of three quarter inch plywood that fit kind of on top of that and I cut out oh. the recessed sections of the grid pattern and I've screwed it up and caulked it all tight. So now I still have to just screw the dust deputy itself to this piece of plywood. that's got a hole cut in the middle. Um, but I think that'll hold it all fine. And I should be able to just screw it on and off now um, that that was, that's been the goal with this setup. So that's what I'm doing with the but
1: dust deputy. Now with that, that means you got to take the hoses off and then unscrew wow. the top rather than just lifting the top off, which that is, I mean, it's,
0: that's true, but you're taking the hose off. You're taking at least one of the hoses off anyway.
1: Yeah, that's um, true.
0: Because fighting it to snap off the regular cover, you can leave the top hose on if you really want to, but you're taking the other hose off. And the other thing that I realized is I didn't put it on a five-gallon bucket. I put it on a three-and-a-half-gallon bucket. Mm-hmm. So I could just hold the Dust Deputy in one hand and spin the bucket underneath it. <laughs> that's
2: true. Um, yeah. So I,
0: I'll see which way it goes, but that's that's what I'm working on with the Dust Deputy.
2: Yeah. Now, what's the advantage of the dust deputy? It's a it many cyclones.
0: Yeah, it really. They say it captures ninety nine point something percent of the dust, and anecdotally, I'll tell you, it does catch that much. Um, hmm. The amount of dust that actually makes it to the bag or the filter is it's inconsequential. Um, oh, it, wow. it really does a great job of of filtering everything. Like I've got one, I've got one of on my on my CT vacuum uh, mm-hmm. that all my sanders are connected to, and the bag in that. It's got nothing in it, and it's probably two years old. Um, the, the, oh my goodness! Yeah, it just it catches everything. It's it's amazing. Yeah,
1: they're they're great to use when you once you put them in, and you realize that you're not, you know, you open it up, and the filter is not even nearly clogged with anything, and um, and just to see the smallest fragments of dust in the bottom of the of the of a typical shop back, and but you'll have a bucket full of the the particulate. And it's the portability of it. My dad's—it's built onto a cart that he made on his. He's got a, one of the bigger backs, but that hooked up to his table saw. He's got a PM sixty-six, and it—it it draws table saw sawdust right out of it and clumps it down into a bucket. Does uh, it really? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's super awesome. It, it increases the efficiency. um, at least the efficiency of of a typical shop vac because the, the filter and all the, the running parts that are actually vacuuming aren't getting clogged up with the particles.
2: And boy, I'm behind on April on this one. I, sh- I surely should be purchasing some of these.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, and and, and the, they're the size of a five gallon bucket at, at most. I mean, they're not that big.
0: By the um, time you so, buy the dust deputy and the bucket, you're into it for like sixty bucks. It's not yeah, terribly exactly. expensive. Yeah. Well, you know the
2: problem. The, the reason this sounds good is because the fine vacuum uh mm-hmm. that i have the bags itself cost about 60 dollars for a four-pack mm. Mm. and yeah, they're not they're not itself. anything special so this pays for it in itself really quick oh yeah this definitely yeah. would
0: you'd be in the yeah. same situation i am with the ct i mean the fine's basically the same vacuum and orange
1: yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah um, yeah it's it just a it's a cyclone trap for particles before it gets to the filtration um so yeah, check it out. I mean, I don't. Do you have a Rockler or anything nearby? Or I mean, I'm not, I know you can get them on Amazon or or directly from, um, Oneida. Oneida, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I got I got a Woodcraft and Rockler. You know, both of them are, you know, depending who's there, they're helpless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm, I'm sure I can find something. The one
1: I picked yeah. up for my dad was at Woodcraft. Um, but I mean, wherever you know, find the easiest way to get it to you for the the least amount of money and. And yeah, like if you said, if you're going through filters every shit, if you're going through them twice a year, it dates for itself.
2: Yeah. So, you know, well, I've seen the little time lapse that Denami did there. And yeah, uh, Yeah, that was me
0: messing with it over the weekend, cutting the circle and everything. So
2: it
1: looks like a lot of work, though. He's (laughs) making it more complicated than it has to be. I did. I made it
0: now knowing knowing how to do it now. I could do it that way in about half the time. I was kind of figuring it out as I went. But mm-hmm. to just install it on a five-gallon bucket, it, it takes an hour or so. And you could start okay. to finish. You're completely done. Um, and if you go onto to Oneida's website,
3: mm-hmm. they
0: have more information on it than you could imagine. And they sell kits that just the Cyclone, the Cyclone and a bucket, the Cyclone, the bucket, and the little cart with wheels and all these different ways you can set it up. Um, you can really spend as much as you want to on it. But at a minimum, it will show you all the components you need to set it up. So that when you're doing, you're not like, oh well, now I need three washers, and I didn't get the tube of silicone, and it's just a handful of little things you need. But if you don't have them, it's not going to go together properly.
1: I got you. Even Ace Hardware lists them online for fifty bucks. Yeah, so not not expensive and not hard to get, but uh, I think definitely worth it. Again, it's a it's a small format thing. It's not going to handle, you know, a planer's injection for too long. And that's why they make the super dust ep or then you get into the gorilla line if you're staying with an Ida or whatever, you know, yeah. Bigger mm-hmm. dust collection. But uh especially for sanding finds, if things are awesome.
2: Wow. Amazing.
1: There you go. When's Christmas? Oh shit. Yeah. That's <laughs> two Right
2: from. around the corner. It's already March.
1: Basically. Yeah, you know? We're a quarter way there already. Holy cow.
0: Maybe the Easter buddy so, will be good to you.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> what else, Diami? What do you got going on? Um Let me see.
0: The panels I glued up a couple weeks ago for the entertainment center, Mm
1: -hmm. I took the bold
0: step of puttying the nail holes. All right. um, (laughs) Because I had to justify that I was doing something to move that project along to my wife. So uh, (laughs) while I was in the shop over the weekend, I puttyed the nail holes. Um, The little table I've been making is completely wrapped up and in a box. And because the apocalypse is about to hit us tomorrow with the snowstorm, (laughs) I waited in line at the post office for 20 minutes this afternoon. And Do after it. not advancing one spot in line, I walked out saying the, that my time is worth more than the box. <laughs> uh, so I have, still have to ship it, but it's all put together and.
1: But it's ready um, to
0: ship. It's ready it's to ship. It's ladder. it's in a labeled box in the back of my truck right now. So, uh, so the table is done, um, and I'm pretty sure I've got a commission to make a mantle out of timber strand. Unbelievable. Oh.
1: Yeah. So, are I'm you going to dye it or? Yeah, I'm going to dye it. Oh my god. Um, who who asked for this? <laughs> not you and so, not your wife. There's another one? There's another one. So
0: I've got <laughs> two pieces of timber string glued up in the shop right now. I could actually take them out of the clamps if I chose to. And I have to trim them a little bit and sand them. And originally they wanted like a gray coloring to it, but I think I've convinced them to go with the blue. Oh no. So I'm gonna I I got two different gray colorings and then I'm gonna I'm gonna dye it. I'm gonna shape it to the final edge shape of the of the mantle which is just going to be this slight angle it's a very modern square looking mantle. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to dye three sec I'm going to tape it off and dye a section blue and then two different grays and um, and give it to them and it's a matter of uh, I'll be the one to make this mantle but it's really a question of when they can afford to have it made as opposed to if we do it.
1: Mhm. Um it's interesting it's it's um it's a bit of a mock up but you're using the actual material.
0: Well it's it's more of a sample it's more of a finishing sample than a mock up per se. It's okay. gonna it's gonna accomplish both, but really there's no way I could do a finishing sample without using the timber strand.
1: Mm-hmm. True. Um, yeah, that's a unique material
0: for yeah. sure. So there's that. Um and then lastly, it's sitting on a box on the sh- on the shop floor. And do you know what's in that box, Sean? Do you know?
1: No. Uh, well, I mean I, I know the words you wrote down, but um <laughs> a vice I, I, I what kind like a, uh, like a drinking problem? That no, kind of no, vice? No 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 Okay.
0: <laughs> um, no, a Pattern maker's vice. Really? Yeah. Where'd you pick that up? Um I ended up getting it from Highland Woodworking. Okay. Oh yes. That four hundred dollars? Yeah, yeah three hundred <laughs> I think.
2: Three
0: hundred dollars? Okay. Um, th- I think it was like three thirty with shipping,
1: but so this is not a vintage pattern maker. No, this, is, this their, is their their import one, and okay.
0: Ro- uh, Woodcraft sells them also. Yes. So, I realized over Christmas that I needed one. How um, so? Well, you know that that sculpted headphone rack that kind of lives in the back of my shop that's going to take four years for me to make. Mm-hmm. I was working on that over the over Christmas, and I realized that that's what to do work like that, that I want to do more of, that's the kind of advice I need. Um, so I know, uh, Paul Marcel has the woodcraft version. So I talked to him and he said he absolutely loves it. Had no problem with it at all. So the woodcraft one was available through Amazon. Mm -hmm. Mm. So for Christmas and my birthday, I kind of just asked for little Amazon gift cards and, When my kids got braces in January, I put it through my Amazon credit card before I then paid for it so that I had lots of Amazon points.
3: Mm.
0: And by the time I got this all pulled together so that I could buy the vice, it was no longer available on Amazon. (laughs) And uh, I looked at all the Woodcraft vices and only one of the like two dozen vices that Woodcraft sells were still available on Amazon. And they were still available on the Woodcraft website. But um I don't know. The fact that they all just instantaneously disappeared off Amazon made me a little nervous about it. I don't know. Like I could have just bought it from Woodcraft. I, I wouldn't have been able to use my points, but I couldn't have do I couldn't do that with Highland anyway. But um right. when it became inconvenient for me to buy, then I started, you know, going back and forth about which brand I would get. And um I know uh, Morton reviewed the one for Highland, and I understand Highland, that Highland yep. is paying him to do that. Um, but, but in looking at the one he has and in looking at them both, I'm 99% sure they're coming out of the same factory. Um, really? Yeah, they're both just non-labeled Taiwanese-made cast iron things. So um, I'm pretty sure that I got the exact same one that I would have gotten if I got it from Woodcraft. Um, and... I don't know. I felt like like giving Highland the business. So that's why I gave it to Highland.
1: (laughs) And I will say, I mean, if nothing else, if if Highland is willing to sell it, it's most likely a pretty decent thing. Yeah. They don't... They're not going to shill something off on you like Amazon definitely would or could because somebody's going to buy it. uh,
0: Absolutely. And if... um, I figured that if they're... I basically bought it sight unseen in terms of my own putting a hand on it. Actually, when I drove down to North Carolina over... uh, in January or February whenever I went I stopped at 3 Woodcrafts on my drive because every time I would look up where they were and if they were within like a half hour of my route I would stop <laughs> oh there gosh. and All none right. of them had this vice in stock mm. um so I I've not up until mine I've never held one <laughs> um but I trusted that if I have an issue with it Highlands going to give me much better support than Woodcraft would have
2: very much so yeah yeah
1: and installation for that is basically just uh, it's kind of a hinged style mortise in the bench top, and it just sets in there, it screws in and um, you're good to go? The
0: installation?
1: No. Oh no? <laughs> Tell me otherwise? Have you or, installed or, one for or, or are you, Can you explain well, it better I,
2: than I could? I have installed sev- several for other people and I have one and I have an Emirate pattern maker. Okay, so you have a that. real one.
1: Yeah, so these are like copies of mm-hmm. that pattern. Pretty or, much. Or I so have. their website says, yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, like a turtle back version. Um, well you know it all depends some people like have a substantial overhang on their benches and they have the capability of just simply hinging it but traditionally most people shape the back of the vice in, into the bench
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the and the bench has this kind of wavy curvature to the back of it and oh. then, and then on the bottom it also has if depending on if you really want to have this rotating and Changing a right of different angles, you have to create this little huge trough underneath the bench that needs to accept this long pipe that also compensates for it to rotate 360 degrees, and yeah, it the, gets it gets pretty involved. That's
0: what the owner's manual shows. It's it's a little bit of routing on the top, but a mm-hmm. lot of clearing a lot of material bottom. in the bottom to make. Okay. Essentially, it's an upside down trench for that exactly. long shaft. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now but, I ha,
2: I have seen them without the trough. And it works good; it works perfectly fine. Um, but there is occasionally that perfect ninety prop above your bench, where sometimes that colors come into issue.
1: Yeah. Oh, that'll be interesting. Unfortunately, Sean, what I
0: fear it will require is not simply making all that, uh, cutting all those recesses, and you know, basically joinery in the bench top. Mm. But I fear it may require the construction of a new bench top. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: What is your current bench top? Uh, my current bench
0: top is a Whitegate bench, which I know is a brand no one has ever heard of. No, um, it's basically a cheap Scandinavian stylish bench. I got it on Craigslist for a hundred bucks years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the top is about uh, probably it's seven eighths thick. It had five eighths dog holes. Every time I want to put um, put a fast or something in, I pull out my an auger bit, and I, I drill a whole lot bigger.
1: Widen that out, yeah. um,
0: So it it for what for the hundred dollars I spent on it, and then the probably thirty dollars of extra work I put into it to to tighten it up and make it stiff. It's okay. It's it's gotten me years of use out of it. So I have nothing to complain about.
1: But I don't think I can for put this vice
0: in it. Like, forgetting well, whether emotionally I can, like I just don't think the vice will fit.
1: How much would it be for you to just clamp up a bench worth of timber strand and make your own little glue bow?
0: Here's the thing: is I would I would do that in a heartbeat, <laughs> <laughs> but the timber
1: strand is soft. Yeah, and you, you want it to be soft. You don't want it to ding your whatever you're working on. You care. put epoxy on it. You you, you, you can box, do all yeah. those
0: things. You're right. But I have upstairs. I actually have in. When I say upstairs, in my attic, I have the LVLs to actually make the glue bow.
3: Uh
0: huh. Um. And I started making that years and years ago. And I, I kind of abandoned the project and I got into other things. And now I don't know. Um, it's not that I don't want to. It's just I don't necessarily want to stop and build a bench right now. Yeah.
1: You don't have to stop and use a vice right now either.
2: That's true. You've only really
1: been doing, doing well without it. Although you don't need another project that goes into the attic either.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. Now, have you guys seen the uh, or follow Chad Magria on um, Instagram? No. no. Well, Chad Magiera, M-A-G-I-E-R-A. I may be pronouncing it incorrectly. Uh, he did this whole process with installing a pattern maker's device, and he has several videos of time lapse of all the work and effort that he put into this. Now he is a crazy individual because <laughs> he did majority of it by hand. Oh, which is
0: not how I, I would think.
2: Person, yeah, personally, I would never have done it that way. That's how uh, I would. I- but um, it's still a lot of work and it's worth seeing the effort they put into it. And it came out beautiful, but it's, it's a ton of work.
0: Oh, and he put it into the end of his bench. Yes. That's interesting. I, my bench sits across the the narrow end of my shop and I can't, I can't stand at the end of it. So that Mm -hmm. would not work for me, but that's, that's interesting.
2: Yes.
0: And he got a real one.
2: Lucky him. Well, you know, surprisingly, it's funny that you say that you spent $300 uh, up here on in Massachusetts, if you would have told me, I could have picked up several of those for $300 for you.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the vintage you
1: ones. Go. Wow, that has a lot of throw. I'm watching one of his quick little videos. Holy crap. You could, like, squeeze a tire in that.
0: Speaking of Massachusetts,
2: Freddie, are you going to be at Fine Woodworking Live? Um, I was too cheap to pay for it, but I may be there anyway because Phil Lowe uh, may be having a table. Okay. and. He's going to be out of state and he, he, he says he may need some representation. So I may be there. Well, I've yet to get, get a response.
0: If, um, if you might want to pick up a real one for $300, I might need to bring it back to New York.
2: Okay. I'll make sure to go on Craigslist. Hopefully I'll find them between now and then. I, I'm,
0: I'm amazed you, I mean, I'm, I'm both, I understand that the tool market is different in all these places, but that's fucking cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, uh, no I, w- I was i'm always tripping over them and i at one time i i had several and i was becoming a hoarder and wow. and because there was such a great price and then i just sold them off for what i paid for them because i don't know i'm a sucker i guess and um, no, there's
0: nothing wrong with that i've done that with like really nice power tools i don't do, i've not done that with vises but you know you get yeah. you get a good deal on it you pass it on somebody else you don't need to make spread on it <laughs>
2: Exactly. And I'm hoping to get a new bench this year so that I can put my pattern maker's vice on the bench.
1: Oh, there you go. I'm not mentioning my bench or my vices for good reason because uh, not going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Just saying. Well, I'm know, looking I- at his little video of this unturned thing and he's, he's plowing that trough out. And uh, yeah, my, my current bench is a hollow core door. If oh, I try wow. to trough it, it falls apart.
2: Oof! I'm so, I'm shocked. At <laughs> you know. It
1: works for most things. Not holding yeah. anything against it, though.
2: So well, just... I, I, ideally, my bench will have at least five vices on it. Five. That is yeah.
0: fantastic.
1: I, I, yo, you know, if in talking with Dummy, if you didn't know, he's a fan of excess. <laughs> I resent that. I am not a fan of Texas. I'm these a Baker's dozen routers. Uh...
2: <laughs> well, let me tell you, I, if he only has a baker's dozen, I got him beat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, the way I the way I think about it, it's cheaper to put a router bit in a new router versus taking one apart. For time. Okay.
3: Mm.
2: So I'd rather have 10, 12, 15 routers with common bits that I would use regularly, ready to go, versus me constantly changing them. And that's I, your
1: your theory, right? Yeah, I absolutely I mean, agree. Um, your dedicated quarter inch round over, your dedicate, you know. We're working
0: there. time a little bit differently because I'm assuming since you're making a living at this, your time is absolutely money. And the faster you do it, the more money you make. Um, yes. Whereas I'm doing this in between work and parenting and Cub Scouts and sp- sports and everything else. So every the faster I can do something, the more I get to do. Mm-hmm. But in either case, um the efficiency comes with having more. That's why I have so many sanders, because literally like I was saying, like when I if I'm sanding a flat panel, I have four sanders set up with different grits of paper and it takes me 30 seconds to switch the hose to the uh and the plug to the next sander and I keep going and it's not 30 seconds, it's probably 10 seconds. Um, mm-hmm. And you just go, and it's the efficiency is unbelievable once you start working that way.
2: I agree. I totally agree. Well, very <laughs> cool.
1: Well, we will follow your vice slash benchtop installation.
0: Yeah. That's what's in my shop, son. What's going on in your shop? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'll,
1: I'll be brief. Um, so, you know, I got the, the, the Festival Pro 5. Um, I have literally yet to use it yet. but yeah. that,
0: I think that means you have to return you get, it. Not, you've now had it three weeks. I'm not going
1: to return it. I will <laughs> not return it. My Actually, my son asked this week. He was like, what was that thing that you took a picture of and you put online? To, and he asked that question to my wife. <laughs> 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 I said, well, that was a Festool Sander. And I actually brought him to the shop and said, look, here it is. This is it. This is how it's different. This is what – but anyway, that um, – I was. I the fact I that you explained
0: in- to him how it's different.
1: It was different. I said, "Look, it's got a big button on the front that's on and off, it's right there." <laughs> and you can take the power cord off. That's something you don't see every day. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I happened to be in Menards getting new lights for the bathroom vanity, and went down their tool aisles, and I went, "Oh, oh, look! They've they've got a Bosch sanding platen for the Bosch five inch sander, which is my old sander that is in, in need of a platen, right? In need of a platen." so uh, snatch it up take it home i unscrew this a single bolt there's like three prongs that hold it otherwise but it's single bolt in the in the body of it and take it out and i realize oh shoot the one i bought doesn't have anything in the center which must be a more modern style where it like bolts around the center Mm -hmm. and mine has one bolt straight through the center So I ordered that on Amazon. I got that Saturday. And so I'm like in the middle. As as I'm looking at it right now, I've got my Bosch vice uh, upside down in a parallel jaw clamp. Uh, Your sander, you mean? My sander, yes, yes, sander. Uh, With no platinum on it whatsoever. And I've got the new one, just not installed yet. But as soon as I get that in there, I want to make sure everything else is in good repair. Because there's a little rubber, uh, I mean, it's kind of a gasket that rides above that thing. That's a little mangled on that one. So I want to see if I need to. And there was a bunch of cake dust I, I cleaned out of there too. But um, I, I, the end game here is to give a decent side by side comparison between the Fest tool and the Bosch under decent Bosch circumstances. Excellent. Because excellent. it, it you, is 10 years old and well used.
0: Can you do me a favor? Yes. After you compare them on a flat panel, compare them on a curve.
1: Yeah. No, I will. I will. And I did buy it, the the Platin I got for the Bosch is a soft, according to Bosch. I don't know how the. Com- Does, or, yeah. Does Bosch offer Probably. choices? They do. They have a few. Oh. In looking, yeah. like, when I bought the wrong one, I ended up looking up what the right one was for it. And I saw, well, I saw soft and hard. I do not have the hard, but they have one. Hmm. Now, this is not, like, soft, like, uh, like sponge cake. I mean, No, is, no, but, it, like,
0: with with Festool, you've got, depending on which standard it is, you've got soft, hard, extra soft, or just soft and hard, or just soft and extra soft, depending on which standard it is. <laughs> But then they all have every size has that uh, what they call the interface pad, which is the foam. But the actual platins are you know they're not they're not nearly that mushy. They're just they're just soft.
1: Yeah, yeah. This one, I mean, I actually I, I should just compare the two together to compare their their softness. But I will. I, I'll try to fare a curve. See which is on the gentler in
0: your baby's face. What's that? See which is gentler on your, your baby smooth oh, face. Oh, on my,
1: my baby face, my, <laughs> my, my baby like uh, complexion. Um, no, so yeah, that, that, um, that is uh, currently the, the project in, in place, but I was away this evening and I was, my weekend was crazy. The other thing I did this weekend, uh, I was repairing storm damage on my parents' barn roof. So that's that was always fun. Your parents' fun. roof? I, sens- I wouldn't have I helped you
0: out if I knew that was your parents' roof.
1: It's my what? Would you have come here to fix six shingles?
0: I would have given you the wrong advice if I knew oh, your okay. parents. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. That my parents. You know, my dad called me when we had this windstorm last week, argue. You know, angry at the fact that he was standing looking at it, shingles, uh, just flapping in the breeze. And by the end of the day, a couple of the uh, the shingles had torn off. A couple of the tabs had peeled up and and partially ripped. And uh, so I had to the fun there was only one that was against the actual ridge which was the major pain in the butt because I couldn't get the ridge completely up so I had to notch around existing nails because there's a the ridge vent on that let's talk roofing terms for a bit okay. and uh, and I, I I signed the the uh, the the agreement somewhat not only by being raised by my parents but also having literally installed that entire building and roofed it.
0: So it's your fault the shingles blew off. You did it wrong.
1: <sighs> We're going to blame Wolverine shingles, but that's that's uh, neither here nor there.
0: I was going to say they're not OC, or they wouldn't have blown off.
1: There you go. There you um, go. I actually, my dad's talking about tearing it off, and I, I I may try to convince him to do a metal roof on it.
0: Metal is absolutely the way to go. But all things being equal, uh, the Osh the owned Corning, I think it's true definition. They have a mm-hmm. woven. Polyester strip in it that mm-hmm. it, they've it's virtually impossible for them to blow off. It's it really is a good shingle.
1: So this is this is a case where we've discovered this is like the third time that we've had to repair this. Mm-hmm. Not the same area, but different shingles at a time that that, that the the bottom of it. I, I apologize, Freddie. <laughs> I just did roof okay. repair and the obvious a commercial rooper. Yeah, how's <laughs> um, your roof, Freddie? <laughs> how's your roof, Freddie? <laughs> <laughs> Can you um, know? The uh, the tabs. The underside that is supposed to have that sealant that grabs, it's uh-huh. it never cured. And this thing is sixteen years old.
0: You installed it in the winter?
1: No, I am oh so, god, let me think.
0: Did you install it on an dirty construction site where like there was dirt into the grass?
1: No. No. This is and we did it in two thousands. Okay.
0: Typically those are that's referred to as the self sealing strip. And typically when the self-sealing strip does not seal, it's due to contamination. Um, it will only self-seal in the warm months of the year. So if you install a roof in November, it won't self-seal until like May comes around. Um, but if it's on a particularly dusty site, what happens is during the winter before it has self-sealed, the shingles aren't flapping and blowing off, but they just they move a little bit and dust gets in there and dust mm-hmm. contaminates it and it never seals properly. It uh,
1: is it is a, a sandy environment. It's sandy soil, and they um, they're not next to a farm field. They actually have a, a partial forest near them, but it is a very open area where they are. They're not as nearly residential by any means. This is that, a big thirty foot, thirty five foot tall gambrel roof.
0: That would be farm. my guess is that that's why they didn't seal because they got contaminated okay. by dust. That's that's nine times out of ten. That's why they don't seal.
1: Okay. It's a pain. Um, I I I kind of back buttered a little bit the ones I put on there just to make sure those didn't come down again. But
0: you just needed a little dollop of uh, like yeah, just it was a just gag, a little dip, dip, uh, dip, 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 dip the across the edge
1: and, and called it good. But anyway, oh. so that's wow. me. how about back in the woodworking. Hopefully, maybe Freddie. How about you? Now we've talked about uh, dust deputies and and nail holes and you know, mantle mock-ups and Sanders. The fact
0: that Emirate pattern vices just fall into your shop.
1: And I after, yeah, which is, there's probably more than a few people that are jealous of that. You're in the right area though.
2: I am in the right area, And, uh, I think they're going to be popping up again since everyone, it seems to be getting older and retiring or moving out. Uh, so there should be more popping up. I won't even tell you how many record vices I had in my shop at one time. That's a different story. <laughs> uh, but, uh,
1: What's actually going on in your shop? You, from your Instagram yeah. feed alone, you're constantly doing what I consider pretty fantastic stuff.
2: But well, thank, thank you. What's, you what's current?
1: What, what's, what's happening?
2: What's current, what was my headache today, is the TV lift that I am making in a pre-existing cherry cabinet that's about uh, over eight feet long. And I bought the Nexus TV lift which is the best TV lift in existence here on the at least in America that rotates 360 degrees.
1: Okay.
0: What? That sounds pretty damn fancy.
2: Yeah. So does this does this
1: does the TV raise vertically out of it yes. or does it cl- like fold up?
2: No, it it raises through a perfect slot which I have yet to cut and we'll be cutting <laughs> this
3: week.
2: Um and uh, the only good thing about that is that they want you to go over width and over length by a couple inches on each side.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so we have that to our advantage. But unfortunately, this is not how you usually make the cabinet. Usually you would cut out the top beforehand or you mm-hmm. know, figure out a way to cut the top out and reassemble the top of the cabinet. This one, I actually have to cut between two beams in a pre-existing top. That connects a kitchen and a redecorated, redecorated, re uh, you know, redone by decorators uh, to the top notch level, <laughs> and not be able to spoil anything or drop dust or nothing. So I have to cut this rectangular slot this week, and uh, there's a lot of layout involved, and there's a lot of stress involved.
0: the The so, piece you cut out, Freddie, does that need to be? remain the piece that fits inside of it or do you get to make like a new piece that fits inside you can you can damage the center section when you're cutting it out
2: i unfortunately cannot damage the center section
0: okay so you need to just make one saw kerf around this thing and have it come out and have both sides be perfectly good
2: yes with the understanding that uh there is a kerf with whatever saw i will be using and that i have to clean up the kerf so i will be adding a mitered like cork bead all around, so it looks a little bit more decorative. Okay. Um, But I still need to locate this exactly where it needs to be, front to back and side to side, and somehow plunge down with, I'm assuming, a plunge saw.
0: Okay, I was going to ask what you were going to use to cut it. You'll cut it with a plunge saw?
2: The long lengths I will be cutting with a plunge saw. Um, The short ends, I will be cutting it with probably a jigsaw, maybe... A uh, reciprocating, you know, like floor cutter from fine. Vacuum. Yeah, I was
0: thinking one of those oscillating tools.
2: Yes, yeah, one of those oscillating tools. I, that's what I'm thinking. Could if you use not,
0: the oscillating tool to plunge down and then use that to start your jigsaw cut?
2: Uh, possibly, yes. Yes. And uh, that would be – that decision will be made on site when I'm like, okay, what are my options here? How How is the – because it's not solid wood. Unfortunately, it's a face veneer. Oh, so onto plywood. So once I do the fine or once I do the plunge cutting with the Fest tool, I would obviously see houses splintering and then adjust my process from there. Okay. So, but at least only it's a thing, plywood, veneer. Yes. The only advantage I have is, is that I made sure in my contract to inform them that this is not at all the approach I would have on a, such an operation <laughs> and that in case anything goes wrong, that I pray to God, nothing goes wrong. It's still not my responsibility because I would have never done it this way.
0: Right. Right. Uh,
2: So they agreed with that. So So
0: you're doing that in a customer's home. Yes. Once you get this cap out, Mm -hmm. do you then have to install the TV lift through that hole or do you get to take the cabinet apart more? Do you have better access to put the TV lift in?
2: Yes, it has basically. I also mounted a face frame and four bifolding doors. So I have a capability of housing everything in from underneath, being able to register everything from the front, and then elevating it up from the inside the cabinet. Okay. Okay. That's one of my major things I'm working on. And then I'm working on uh, the 110 chairs for MIT that need to be restored. I got my first load of that, and then I'm working on um, a couple of round tables refinishing and cleaning pewter, pewter, and also getting ready for the I think the Saratoga show in April. Up April first, was oh, that the
0: the, uh, North, the
2: Northeast Woodworker show? Yes, Woodworkers Show? Woodworkers
0: Association.
2: 1st. Yes, that's in April first and second, and I'll be offering a course on a kind of like intermediate to advanced banding making
0: okay
2: so i'm getting ready for that and i am working on a whole bunch of other repairs in the shop and and i got a couple spec pieces i'm working on that hopefully by the end of the year i'll have a line of kind of a furniture that i can give clients an option to purchase and there's different aspects that they could change or or different materials they can use and sh- so i can show them examples of what these you know, t- tables or chairs or or sideboard that how they would look somewhat streamlined, a little bit of decorative inlay and detail that I love, but something much much cleaner, not so heavier, clunky looking from traditional period furniture. So that's what I got.
0: Oh, that's great. Let me. <laughs> that's awesome. I want to get into a lot of that as we continue the discussion. But if I could move <laughs> back right now to the chairs for MIT,
2: how yep. many chairs are there mm-hmm. in total?
0: One hundred and ten. Hundred ten.
2: How many are there, in the shop now? I have eight. Eight in the shop now.
0: Okay, and what do you you're refinishing them? What does that involve?
2: So these all have rush weave. Uh, we're going to replace them with pre-twisted uh, rush weave. The reason being is due to budget restraints. Mm-hmm. And I will then several of them are missing parts, so I will be fabricating new parts. I would then color match the parts and finish them. All the chairs need to be re-glued and taken apart. Many of them have the what I use, the Uncle Charlie repair, which is they drive a nail here and there, they drive a screw here and there, and mm-hmm. they said, I, I fixed it for you, and then really what they did is created more damage.
3: Right.
2: Mm-hmm. So I, re- I would be removing all that, I would be, be removing all the old adhesives so that the next restore 50 to 100 years from now they'll realize it's high glue. I made their life easier for them and you know, everything goes back together. I'll, I will also clean all the chairs and top coat them all. And I have to do that in a, in a timely manner so that, you know, I can be profitable and the margin of stake, you know, the way I want them to be.
0: Right, right, right. Um, to do eight at a time to get through 110, how long will a project like that take you?
2: Well, I'm hoping to be getting 15 at a time. Okay. And, and, um, and then hopefully, if I get them in a production mentality, I should be able to do all fifteen in a week. Oh, okay.
0: Wow. Would that be but your whole I, week, I, or you I, do that around other things also?
2: Well, I guess let me go back. the The refinishing and repairing will be all done in a week, and then the rush weaving will be done. Okay. And uh, the repairs that would be that would be my week. You know, depending on how bad it is, you know, they may take four days. Um, and okay. It all depends how bad, how many parts, you know, how many, how much I have to refabricate, uh, how much, you know, epoxy did use, or you know, whatever weird adhesive. God willing, no, no gorilla glue in this application, <laughs> and how long it takes for me to dissolve that and then scrape all that out and you know figure out the process.
0: So you're okay. going to essentially take every chair down to its individual pieces, repair, replace as needed, and then put them all back together.
2: Yes. Okay. And you know any any holes or cavities from nails or screws, I would also, you know, fill and blend them in and, and, and paint them so that they look as in I say museum quality. From three feet away, you can't see them, but right. anything anything closer, like oh yeah, there's a little bit of color here and there, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, nothing. Is,
0: nothing is perfect.
1: Are these no. from a classroom or a gallery or what? What? What this, station uh, in MIT are these coming from?
2: These are MIT. MIT's Chapel.
1: Oh, well.
2: So is a non dominational clan uh you know, chapel. Right. And it was designed by I think a noted architect called uh Eero. I forget his last name. Sarion. Yeah, uh, he's very famous. He also is the one who did the the arch in uh Saint Louis. Okay. Mm. Same designer. Um yeah. he's very well known. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. And, did he uh, design he, the chairs? He, he he did design the chairs and found someone to fabricate them for him. Okay, yeah, and they're kind of like a, they almost have a greening, not a green and green, but arts and crafts feel to them. They're ladder back, slightly curved, and uh, splats or slats, and uh, they're all made out of oak of some form, red or white, and oh. uh, they they have a good good age patina on them, so which is nice.
0: And the trick is to I, keep that.
2: Yes. Yeah, so the trick is to keep that. And I'm, I'm shocked that they've lasted as that long. They're, some of them were pretty beat up. Like I don't even know how people have not fallen through the seats because they're so old and, um, so abused because I didn't realize they're open, you know, seven days a week. And I guess it's in the heart of Boston. So there's services and events and weddings like regularly throughout the year. I was amazed. And this is and, the first
0: time they've been fully restored
2: this is I think this will be the second time there the chairs will be restored but it will be the- full, first time that all of them will be restored at the same time okay you know it used to occur like someone broke the seat and okay, now we should repair this one, and then they'll you know kind of mishmash the repairs and unfortunately they just you know the ages changed it used to be like everyone went to that that master or that individual who knew what they were doing, and now it's kind of like. Let me see what Google tells me. Oh, this guy is up the street. We just give him the chairs. So mm-hmm. there's a big, there's a big mess of repairs. that I have to correct for them while staying within the so-called MIT budget. <laughs> so that's kind of my life right now.
1: Very, very cool. Well, before we get deeper into you, let, let's cut into what's going on in, uh, the modern workers association. Um, most to speak, uh, the shows that are coming up uh, in, in the near future. Uh, first, I think we've got to mention Fine Woodworking Live. Ooh. Diami, uh, you're attending? I will be attending. Wonderful. Ah. And I, I'm I'm a little upset. I was a little rushed this weekend, specifically Sunday, uh, when I was at my parents' house, because he's got the Ipe that I want to use in the my entry into the Hardwood Derby. At that event. Mm. So that is yet to come. So also, did,
0: you, were you successful at getting the IPE?
1: No, I was. Not, I did not get it. I need to, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to both get it and, uh, and mill it while so I'm you there. time to
0: fix your dad's roof, but not enough time to grab a scrap of wood.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. But also because it's IPE and I'm a mostly hard or hand, you know, tool worker, I um I will most likely mill that to at least close to dimensions at his saw, not my handsaw, because mm. Ipe is a bad 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 man. He sure is. <laughs> I, I haven't even tried it with a hand tool. I've seen sparks fly off a carbide dip, tip, you know, and I don't want to do that by hand. But um,
2: <laughs> we'll see. It's I'm, like I'm, bl- it's like bloodwood.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'll probably end up finding a way to power carve it with some grinding wheel Go for somehow. It. Yeah, I mean, because I, I don't want it to be square and, and, and stupid that way. But uh, And I don't think it's going to be all out of it. I, I actually want to make that a kind of a key way as the main weight. Mm-hmm. And I haven't decided what other species to put into that.
0: Well, And that's just it for, for anyone who's not familiar with what we're talking about. At Fine Woodworking Live, on I think it's Saturday night, they're hosting a hardwood derby which is going to be essentially a Pinewood Derby uh, that the Cub Scouts do, but made from hardwood. And uh, double-check, if you, we're going to have a link in the show notes to the Hardwood Derby, and if you just Google Fine Woodworking Live Pinewood Derby, it'll take you right to Ben's blog post about the event. And I'm pretty sure the the rules are simply the car must be made of wood with no additional weights added, so you're looking for getting the mass out of the wood itself, not from added material. And you have to use stock Pinewood Derby axles and wheels from the Boy Scouts, the Cub Scouts. And
1: conform to the size restrictions of those vehicles.
0: Yes, exactly. So what you do is, for $5, you buy a Pinewood Derby kit from the Boy Scouts of America. It comes with the axles, it comes with the wheels, and it comes with a block of what's presumably pine. And you can just take the dimensions off that block of pine and you know, from there you go with whatever you want. Um, frankly, any any listener who has questions about it, ask me. Uh, feel free to hit me up because I've made <laughs> uh, more than my fair share of Pinewood Derby cars.
1: As a father of Cub Scouts, you're a resident expert. But, um,
0: yes, what they're doing <laughs> <laughs> is uh, on that Friday or Saturday night, it's going to be a $5 entry fee and all the money that goes, all the entry fees will get donated to the local Cub Scout pack that is providing the track for the race. Um, mm. And uh, and we're going to race these cars. And if you check out uh, my post at modernwoodworkersassociation.com, it's, um, it's on the Hardwood Derby at Fine Woodworking Live is the name of the post. Uh, you'll see how I made the winning car because I intend to win this event. <laughs> but I thoroughly invite you all to come and participate. Cause just racing and, and participating is half the fun. The other half, the winning I'm going to take, but you can certainly have half the fun of participating. <laughs> and I encourage everyone to do so.
1: Oh, now I really want to beat you.
2: <laughs> yeah. You can be one of, one of 63 yeah. kind of beat. Em. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, Zach, could I'm you send me down back down my car down body, down please?
3: Down
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I need to get my, uh, my my friendly uh, mechanical engineer, uh, experienced pinewood derby coworkers, uh, to, uh, to the, uh, the guy who literally wrote a book on it, well, to help me out with a little bit of design. Although weight is a is yeah. A, here's the a, thing, Sean is no, yeah, yeah.
0: If if you were allowed to add weights, I would agree with you. Yes,
3: <laughs> but, but the is fact
0: is, weight. since you're not allowed to add weights. Hmm. The more the more shaping you do to your car, the less your car weighs, the slower it'll be. It At, at some point, I agree. they have reduced it to its purest form. And I Just honestly wait. think a square block will win.
1: <laughs> it's true. But I want to look good while I'm doing oh, it. Oh, that's also, true. <laughs> I'm, I'm essentially going to put up epay and something else. I don't know. I've got some quarter sun white oak. I've got some walnut. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see. It might be mostly Ipe against Timberstrand dyed purple. So you, we'll see.
2: <laughs> you know, if I was going to be there, I'd be doing one out of Ebony. Go for it. Oh, <laughs> man. Well, that's you know what? what? Both what? of you.
1: What are the dimensions like three by seven? What's a three by seven hunk of Ebony cost these days?
2: Well, <laughs> nothing. I have it on the shelf, but. I'm... Oh, I mean, you got
1: to sit in <laughs> it, it, it is. It really is a perfect scrap thing because that's roughly a piece of scrap for most, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, yeah, what do I got laying around that's roughly that big, that thick? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: As I look at the, the lumber rack, I could make it out of Walnut or Purple Heart.
1: Oh. Yeah, those would both be good. Purple Heart would, it's, it's a little denser than Walnut, isn't it? I've probably. I don't know.
0: I'll make it out of table Strand. What do I care?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, they should, they should at least let me go there Saturday with the ebony block. I'll put some inlay on it and see if I can beat you guys. Go There for you it. go. You know what? <laughs> do it.
0: Even if you don't come, just give me the car. I'll enter it. <laughs>
1: Okay. <laughs> That'd be yeah, for five um, bucks, going going to a good cause. I yeah. mean, hopefully a lot of people are going to have fun with it. Yeah, my, mm-hmm. my understanding I'm is that I can't be there, but I, I, I'm i so looking forward to seeing what, what shows up.
0: They're almost yeah. sold out of the actual conference. Um, Excellent. But at least uh, based on the last time I talked to Ben about it, which was a couple weeks ago now, so things may have changed, but the sign-up for the actual Hardwood Derby has been... Um, not overly enthusiastic. So, if you sign up for the conference, sign up for the damn race. Just bring a block of wood, shape it, and put some wheels on the damn thing. Come on, mm-hmm. we're gonna have fun on Saturday night. Let's do this. I,
1: I'm, I wanna, I wanna see variation. I wanna see a Kumiko you know, <laughs> zooming down the line. I wanna see somebody doing a Bombay, something or other. You know, just make something. Mm -hmm. and put wheels on it and make it fit to the track and i want to see it go it's going to be the most interesting thing because the thing i i want to see is i want to see wood grain because everything else that the kids do is painted pine and Mm. for good reason but it it is essentially just let's shape this and let's paint it something and go now we get to show wood off and so make it i hope that there's Mm -hmm. a there's a you know don't do you guys still and I, i my kids aren't in scouting but i was and so there was like, there's first, second, third place. And then there was best looking. We do do, do
0: we you know do I mean? a, we do a best in show. We do a, a cubbyist, which is the one where clearly the parents didn't help. Oh, um, okay. And something else like the, what, at least the way we do it is we bring in boy scouts to act as like referees. Oh. And cause we don't use, we, we, we run two tracks simultaneously to get through it all. Cause it's a long night. Um, right. And we don't use electronic scoring, so we have Boy Scouts at the finish line who call the races. And oh, wow. um, before the races actually begin, we have four categories. I don't know if somebody I couldn't tell you what they are, but we let the Boy Scouts pick the winners of those categories, and it's like best car, most original, cubbiest, and you know, it's along those veins. They're all um, aesthetic decisions, really. Uh, so we let the Boy Scouts pick those, and then we they get awards too.
1: There you go. So, I mean, I, at least I hope, I hope to see some creative design, maybe not the fastest, but I want to see some people having, I mean, just fun with, with a a three by seven scrap of wood somewhere in their, uh, in their bin that they can make something out of. It'd be fun to see. And I mean, I'm, I'm leaving it to you to, to let the world know through social media.
0: I'm trying, I'm trying. Um, I'm letting my bravado take, uh, Take the lead in this one because um, I figure that the the best way to encourage people to to race is to try to convince them that they can actually have a chance of winning. Um, there you go. But no, I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> and win. I got
1: to get on the stick and get mine and ready and done and shipped to you before uh, before the event. I've got a month, yes. but month plus. But
0: yeah. Still. So uh, yeah. So anyway, if you're going to go, it's finalworkinglive.com. It's April twenty-first to twenty-third in Massachusetts. It's right around the block from Freddie. He's gonna try to come. Mm -hmm. Um and uh as as of this recording, there's only at least according to their website, there's only ten spots left. So if you haven't signed up, do so.
1: Get in there. Good stuff.
0: Uh what else though? Uh well there is also the the handworks event out in Mm -hmm. is that in Amana, Iowa, Sean? Yes. Amana, Amana,
1: Tomato, Tomato. Amana, Iowa.
0: And um not an event that I will be able to make this year. Um, I think Firework Live is going to be the only time I, I seriously travel, though I would love to head up to Saratoga to to go to the uh, the Northeast Woodworkers Association show. Um, that's not all that far from me, but I will be camping that weekend, unfortunately. So I hope you have a good time up there, Freddie. Um, it's you a nice can. show. Um, but from Handworks in May, I've been back and forth with Jeremy Wright, and he's going to do a bit of reporting for us. Um. I'm in the process of making a little case for one of my old audio recorders. I'm going to send that over to Jeremy and he's going to run around Handworks and see who he can talk to and uh, what kind of reporting he can get done. So uh, after Handworks we'll certainly have an episode or two with all all the interviews he does and we'll have him on to talk about the event itself. Um, So we're Jeremy, we thank you for offering to do that and we're looking forward to getting that reporting because handworks I think um, handworks at least for me is the one conference I've never been to
2: me either I think yeah, that that I, and I
1: I always I've hoped to but it's in a as far as my kids and their sports time it's bad I'm traveling that weekend to a, a sporting event mm. mid-state
0: and th- this year I could be wrong but I believe it's the exact same weekend as weekend with wood
2: it is Yeah.
1: oh is it Yes. okay so it's it's the that 19th 20th i guess we need to mention that event as well weekend with wood which well, is um, a
0: thoroughly good weekend
1: it is a thoroughly good weekend as we can attest to from last year um and actually last year i don't know if you remember do I mean, how early i had to leave
0: yeah you left well it seems like every time we go to a conference you leave early <laughs> so I, they've all blended together but you, you left well because your brother's getting married last year right
1: well, last year it was woodworking. America. I left to go see my brother getting married. Okay. That's correct. And then, but in that same year at at weekend with wood, I left the Sunday morning at about four a.m. to make it back for my son's lacrosse game by like one p.m. Driving wow. from Des Moines, Iowa, to Northwest Ohio. So yeah, that was a uh, was a good day. <laughs> but but no, it, and as they get older, the travel is getting a little more uh, advanced. So we're we're going to be about two hours out of town. There's no by advance. You mean further? Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Travel. Well, that was that was recreational, and now we're getting into travel. So now we've got a two-hour weekend drive, not a fifteen-minute weekend commute.
0: Can the to- uh, can the cross pay for college?
1: Yes. Then travel. All you can most yes. certainly. Actually, yeah, and actually uh, Freddie out in your neighborhood, it's way more popular than, than mine. Um, but we're trying,
2: you know, I wish there was around when, when I was growing up because I'm anything physical. I absolutely love. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, you know, I, I've gotten into it. Let's talk lacrosse. (laughs) I I got into it only because my kids got into it. I had kids, um, in high school, it was around, but it wasn't big. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I probably held a stick in my hand at one point during my high school time, and, and, uh, but never, never saw the game, never played the game. Um, really? My son, when he was in fourth grade, end of third grade, said, oh, hey, friends are playing. And oh, okay, fine, let's, let's get into it. There was a little discussion, but we, um, we got it. And uh, it, it's such a really cool, fast-paced, physical game. I've I've jumped into it. I've coached a bunch now. I've I've grown in skill with my kids a bit. This weekend, I mentioned I was away maybe on on Saturday, and we went and saw a college game. You know, it's such a, you know, it's 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 so it's so fun. And I yeah, I wish it would have been bigger or more available uh, when I was in school, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just now getting like the national. Cross community uh, involvement in this area, which will uh, be nice to see. It grew up in you know it came down from Canada and in through the East Coast. So anything down there in Maryland, Virginia, they're all not all, but there. There's a lot of activity in that area. There's mm. very little as you go east. Oddly enough, it, there,
3: there
0: isn't because when, when I was in high school, it wasn't huge. But like we had a high school team. I knew plenty of people who played. I've been to many a game. Um, yeah, so we
1: but had a team. So we're about the same age, and yeah. we we had a there. There was not a school team. Okay, there was a club that some kids. I don't know how they found out about it. It doesn't exist anymore, but they played in the mid '90s as something. Um, the community that we're in has had a youth program for 20 years, but has yet to actually do much with it. It's it's still a growing thing and it's well, you know, if you talk to anybody in official lacrosse world, it's it's the fastest growing sport in America, probably because all the other ones are fully developed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it is starting to compete with baseball and football, which is are kind of cool to see.
0: It's it's decimating Little League on the island. Um is it really? It really is. Um, you yeah. know, like I said, it's when I was way more exciting. When I was in I mean, high school, we had a high school team of a, a JV and a varsity team, but there wasn't like the club stuff like you have with with soccer and baseball mm-hmm. at least around here. But now, um, my my son's twelve, and his little league team plays um among three other towns because none of them have enough teams to have an entire league on themselves because yep. so many kids play lacrosse. Interesting. It's not Amazing. quite to
1: that. We'd, we'd like to see them a little more balanced, not to say that we want to take away, but we want to get more involvement. We have a, a an entire community. We were way off topic. We have an entire community um, that we is. is, uh, we're, we're trying and we've had kids that have been playing for five years, and we struggle to man a team of 15 players, you know, that that is it, We're not quite there yet. But and, and to say that, like when you were in high school, you had high school teams. Yes. Just this past this active school year is when our communities, high schools have had a varsity program.
0: Wow. Oh, okay. the
1: sport, So it's just now coming here. Wow. Yeah. So give us 20 years <laughs> and we might yeah. be where you were 20 years ago.
2: Well, maybe and you, if you need to start a sport, maybe you need to start cricket out there. Yeah, you know. Why not?
1: I mean, anything at this point. <laughs> but no, I mean, the struggle is enough. We're trying yeah. to, to get equal field time and all those things mm-hmm. um, because there's a, it's a huge soccer community, a huge baseball community. Uh, so there's, there's plenty of competition. But anyway, that was way, way off topic. We have another <laughs> event. We mentioned briefly Weekend with Wood. It is, in fact, the same weekend as handwork. So if you're in Iowa, between Des Moines and Amana, which actually is about, what an hour, hour and a half drive I think an hour:
2: hour and 42 minutes.)
1: <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're guessing, that's pretty good. Uh, it, so if you're anywhere near Iowa in the third week in May, you've got something to do, either weekend with wood. Or or handworks. I will mention handworks. I believe is a free handworks is a free event. It's very very hand tool oriented. You're not going to see Bosch showing off their new table saw there.
0: You won't see that anywhere. There's There's an injunction against it.
1: Well, that too. But (laughs) there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of very proud tool makers and hand tool enthusiasts. And um, Mm. from everything I've seen and I've said, I've not been able to go ever. But that that looks like an, an awesome event. It it um,
0: sounds like Handworks is on a two year cadence. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so far, yes.
0: Yeah, so I since I know that um, Iowa is drivable for you, Sean, and it is not drivable for me. Um, in two years, I say you have to go to Handworks.
1: I know it's it's on the calendar. I I meant to go this year, and then kids' sports got in the way.
0: I'm just saying now. Set the kids up now, so they're not disappointed. Two years, <laughs> so they don't, You ain't going.
1: They'll. Will they both be in high school by then? No, only one of them uh, <laughs> struggles struggles, but no, uh, excellent events, both uh weekend with wood, look it up um we'll have a link in the show notes, but that um we went last year, dummy uh and that was a an awesome
0: weekend catch. with wood was an absolute hoot it was um a it's a Good very time. different vibe than um than uh woodworking in America, which is the eight hundred pound gorilla that's not around this year. Um, and I've been to both previous fine woodworking lives and they're a different vibe than Woodworking America, but I would say those two events are closer to each other than they are to Weekend with Wood. Um, but at the end of the day, Weekend with Wood was just a weekend spent out hanging out with other woodworkers. It's just, it's a, it's a great couple days. And this year, Tom McLaughlin is there again. Um, is it Terry? I, I can't think Um.
1: of... Yes. I
0: What's want to say Terry Myerson but that is not Terry Myerson works Did. for Microsoft and he's the head of one of the uh Windows development teams. So, You're about Terry Moore? Terry Moore, thank you. Yes, yes. yes. Terry Moore. Terry Moore hey guys. uh awesome. will be there. He's phenomenal. Um and I believe this year Vic Teslin is uh giving a little yes, talk is. about some stuff. So the instructor base there is just is incredibly rich and deep, and it's a really good weekend. If you can drag yourself out to Iowa, um, I would highly recommend going.
2: Yeah, I want to. Know, a... I want, I want to know where the hell I have I been? I haven't even heard of this event until this this time. Well, oh, no. yeah, like, yeah.
1: It, it's it's put on by Wood Magazine. It's held at on the Wood Magazine publishing grounds in their shops. Amazing. Um. So it is a very. The as far as the hosting of the event, it is very concise. It, you're literally, you know, in and around the cafeteria of the uh, Meredith Publishing cafeteria. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right down the hall. You're actually you you see the actual studio shop where they take their photos. You could upstairs is the actual shop where they make the stuff that's in that's published in the magazine. Um, we were, I mean, for different shows, we were in like the Home and Garden magazine shop. But that's where Tom McLaughlin was was speaking, and you know it's it's um it's a very cool, nice spot downtown Des Moines, Iowa is very nice. We we had almost a mile walk, yummy, if I remember correct, something like that. From the, our, our the official hotel
0: was closer this year.
1: Oh, okay. So, but there's it's it's a great little town, a uh, decent nightlife, um, and uh, and it is really cool. Again, put on put on by uh, Wood Magazine and, and Meredith Publishing. Um, so look them up. It's uh, if you're if you're available. It was a it was a hoot last year for sure. Very, very well done. A lot uh, a tighter knit thing. You you it was kind of like a whole package deal. When you when you signed up, mm. you got and when you checked in, I should say you you got your itinerary that said where lunch was, where cl- where your particular classes that you signed up for were and then there was a an event in the evening uh one of the nights so we made uh the wee little um what the hell what, what were wee little called?
0: uh libraries
1: wee little libraries um and so there was a bit of a community build involved in that in a, in a parking garage actually um but it was a it was a very very cool thing so yeah if you haven't heard about it check it out um it's a, oh. it's a great thing. And Freddie, uh, you, and we'll get right into you right now, but you're, you've presented at, at, at shows. Um, I would say that you, you would have a chance maybe to contact them and go, Hey, I could, I could teach a few things maybe in the
2: future. Yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Thank you for the tip and recommendation.
1: Yeah. We'll I gladly mean, write really, you
0: a recommendation. You know, if you need a letter, yeah. you let me
1: know. I'll... If you need a letter, if they would word, <laughs> have our word at any, any value whatsoever.
2: No. If you can laser that in in that timber that you use, yeah. I'm all over.
0: <laughs> let me let me work on getting a laser, but I'll, I'll get to work on it.
1: <laughs> there you go. So anyway, let let us roll right into Freddie Roman. If if the listener to this point has survived this far and doesn't know who Freddie <laughs> Roman is, Freddie, who are you? I I I I have to apologize. I I met you. I probably shook your hand and said hi briefly at WIA this year. Uh, last year in 2016 um but because i was only there for one night i kind of was like in and out and gone and i i didn't get to to hang out or or actually sit in with any of your sessions um mm-hmm. but to my knowledge you are a you are a restorer a craftsman and a speaker
2: yeah essentially you summed it up um <laughs> uh, I if I had to choose an option i would i would I would love to say i la- i I would make furniture more and okay. uh, be more of a custom furniture maker, but I live in a in near Boston and unfortunately and fortunately, I guess you can say, there is two huge schools that produce so many students, and it's the Furniture Institute of Massachusetts from which I graduated from, and then there's north Bennett street school and unfortunately. There's about 50 students every year popping out in the area, and they all want to do the same thing I wanted to do, was make furniture, make stuff, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, it's just not possible, so I have to do what they can't do or hate to do, and that's repair furniture and refinish furniture and work with color, as well as, you know, I now, from the knowledge of Mike Michelli, I learned upholstery, so I do a lot of. Simple upholstery. I'm still working my way up to more complex items, but um, anything with repair work or refinishing, I'm not hesitant to, to take on.
1: That's um noble, I guess, and I, I and understandable with the you know with the what's going on lo- locally. Um, do, do you just touching on the schools? Do you see a lot of people that? that go to school in, uh, Bennett, in North Bennett Street and the, the Furniture Institute that that hang around even New England? Or are they coming from all over and going back?
2: Well, you know, I kindly advise them to go back from wherever they came from. <laughs> and and uh, You're not welcome I, here. <laughs> I, do, I, I do say that nicely, but uh, I will say a lot of them do stay around. And um, if, if they don't stay around in Massachusetts, they do still linger in the New England. And um, so it, it becomes very competitive. I I even bid against my mentors now because wow. it, it used to be the point that you know if you had Phil Low, you had Will Neptune. You know if you know their name, then you know just to go to them. They are highly re- renowned and highly regarded, and they 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 have a, a name for themselves. But these days, the name on these new you know individuals asking for commission work. It's not about name. It's about what I find you on social media and how you how can I see your website or how can I see more of your work online? Let me see what people are saying about you, giving high praise or reviews. And unfortunately a lot of these old fashioned, you know, craftsmen, they don't have websites. It was all about word of mouth. So the market has changed and sometimes the because you have a following doesn't mean you're good. Well, unfortunately, many people think because of that following you have something more special than someone else, or they don't even realize or care to search anymore for these nice old timers and that are very skilled in their craft. So but so, No no
0: please finish your thought. I didn't mean to interrupt you.
2: Oh so I, I will say, you know, it's 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 a different concept these days for hiring a craftsman compared to what it was in the past. In when
0: you're doing restoration, Freddie, is it when I think of you, I think of – frankly, when I think of you, I think of federal-style furniture, which may not be even be correct. But it's it's that historical, very um, – I don't want to say very historical again, but very historical. There's a there's an, There's a certain style and a certain accuracy that has to be done when you're doing the restoration to be true to whatever period the piece is from. Um, First of all, am I correct that when you're doing restoration, your bread and butter is historically accurate pieces, or is it really, you know, anything even more recent things where the customer doesn't necessarily want it restored to be this perfect? You know, to use federal as an example again, a federal piece. But regardless of the style, are your customers aiming to have a specific style restored into it, or they just know it's old and they want it to work again?
2: I think it's all the above, you know, period furniture is not very attractive to this new generation and the market has changed so rapidly that it's cheaper to buy antique furniture than having me or many craftsmen around here actually make them. Mm -hmm. A perfect perfect example, Skinner was giving away uh, period furniture in the last auction for a couple hundred dollars And and there were period chairs made in Massachusetts in the Queen Anne in chippendale style they were estimated to be going for several thousand and they were literally the hammer smacking it down at 200 bucks so for me to say i can make you a chair starting at 1500 dollars, you know it's hard for me to say that's very competitive i can be competitive to what some of these auctions are selling their period furniture and Sadly, a lot of people don't like brown and shiny anymore, so everything's kind of painted, everything, you know, black, you know, it's like, oh, but it was my grandparents or my family's, it was handed down, but I hate how it looks so brown and dark, can you make it white for me, or paint it green? Mm-hmm. The most recent one, the, the lady asked me to paint period chairs lime green, and, and I said, I, I, I would love to paint them for you, but I just can't, I'm just... I'm sorry, I just can't
1: <laughs> i I hold on as I turn to my right, way around right i not quite vintage, but from the nineteen forties, I have a piano that was in my house when I turned in or when I moved in that is painted lime green mm-hmm. i I kid you not, and it's a beautiful piano, it's not bright piano,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: someone in the the sixties or so decided to do that, yes and I'm I'm sad to hear that it's still alive and well. <laughs> well <laughs> to you, do that to to find work.
2: The the way I the way I look at it is, is that if I can go ahead and apply a layer of say shellac on top of whatever existing finishes on there, if I paint it with a latex or a water-based paint, I'm hoping that the restorer down the road years from now has a capability of saying to himself, I feel that there's a shellac underneath this. I can strip <laughs> the top, the top layer off, and bring it right down to that brown and shiny. Is it going to be tedious? Yes, but somehow the finish, the original look, still exists underneath there. And yeah. hopefully, um, there's people out there that's not just going to sand it to death and uh, you know bring it back as charm. But you know it's really hard these days. You know everyone wants the modern look. Everyone wants that streamline you know, mid-century modern or, you know, I have nothing against it, but man, if I see another, you know, slab table, even I've made them, even I've taught them. <laughs> but when I, when I look at them and it's just like, you just wasted two inches of this beautiful crotch walnut. You could have sliced it at least four times and made four <laughs> tables out of it. You know, can we please do something like that? Cause what's going to happen down the road is that years from down the road, I'm going to be buying it and resawing it. You know,
3: and it's, mm-hmm.
2: it's just going to go, it's going to come and go because, Unfortunately, they're monsters, some of these pieces, and some of them, this rustic barnwood. If I get another email for fumigation of this barnwood that people have purchased, and now the critters are eating them, you know, <laughs> I, I should go in business into fumigation because I keep regularly getting phone calls.
1: <laughs> uh, like you said, though, I mean, it's a changing market, and, and in yes. the business you're in, you've got to just keep up with it. Yeah.
2: No, totally. And, and who am I to judge them for, for their, their, you know, whatever, whatever they like and whatever they want to pay me to do it. It's perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. I saw your post today about making a a coat rack with vintage, uh, uh, doorknobs.
2: Yes. (laughs) Like
1: you want to do what? Yes. Customer. Yes. (laughs) You know, that's, there is a time that it comes down to that. If you're in the business of uh, making a living from this.
2: And it's true. You have to make the way I tell people sometimes. Everyone says that you know they, they want to feel proud for their work. They want to have work that they can sign. Not me. Me is what <laughs> it's one of those things that how much money can I make out of this? How quickly can I turn it around? And I understand this is not one of those pizzas I'm going to put my name on it. And if someone tells me, I heard from Sue or, or John that you made these co racks with knobs, is this true? The answer is 100% no. Yeah, no, <laughs> never no, heard. Sorry, of no. It. Unless, unless you'd like to buy one, in which I'll case, like yeah. to buy one. Yes. absolutely, I'm more than happy to make you some. <laughs> that's not a problem. You know? <laughs> and that's just part of the business world. You got to say yes to almost anything, with the understanding that sometimes you make more money saying no than you do saying yes.
0: Yeah, the the ultimate trick to making a living at this, I think, you know, based on my own experience in in selling things, is that you say yes to the jobs you can make money on, not necessarily the jobs that you're excited about. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, totally. And and the other thing is, it's just there's more money to be made. There's more consistent cash flow usually in repair work than there is in furniture making. The reason being is you get paid in the beginning, Mm -hmm. maybe paid in the middle, and maybe paid on the end. But in between there, you still need to be able to make money. And unfortunately, we're not Garrett Hack or we're not Phil We can't be charging crazy amount of money for, for their name and, and prices of furniture. So, you know, I can't be like, oh, yeah, this this little end table is going to cost you six grand. You know, that's not going to happen to me. They're going to look at me and be like, I can go to Moser and get it for less than that. So what do what can I give them? And so I need to be somewhat competitive. So by me being able to intermix the commissions into the restoration, not only do I keep my sanity but i also keep my bench skills ready to go for the high-end commission i can get the proper margins that i desire do you do you ever find
0: that the repairs ultimately lead to commissions
2: yes now i can say that now because i have the last several clients that are very big this is my busiest year ever in my in in business good for you they they've all been um, restoration work. And next you know, can you make this? Can you make that? Can you replicate this? And so right now that, that is occurring, which I'm very excited about. Um,
3: okay.
2: So there is, yes, there is yes moments, you can say. But lots of times it's kind of one of those things that there's you we, we as me individuals in the field in restoration, we live off sentimental value. That's what we go for. We love when you hear that. I have sentimental value, not because I feel like I got them, but they understand what the possible price is and then what the, the value of this piece is or what effort I need to put into it to save it for them. So I'm not going to be there to, you know, charge them an arm and a leg. But they understand that if this hope chest wants to be properly refinished, it's going to cost them about 1200 Can you buy it today for 1200 Probably not. But you know, I can salvage this, you can hand it down to the next generation and I can get money up front and money at the end and if I get five or six projects in a row every single week, it's a it's a good consistent cash flow.
0: Right, right. And, you know, in order to be there to get the commission when it comes around, you need that cash flow.
2: Yes. You know, and the, the issue is sometimes is that you don't end up sleeping or people, the world has changed. There, there's no more phone calls. There's no more anything. Everything is texting and emailing so it's just like instead of them the clients these days don't really read the whole email or they <laughs> they, they they decide to send several messages and texts and then it's sometimes just easier for me just to convey the message over the phone or face to face so it it gets a little difficult you know sometimes to do that so it's um you need to account for that when you're bidding on a job so, so it's just something to be aware of so it, and if you can really see from uh, a person's texting of how indecisive they are you can make the decision saying if she can't even pick what color she wants of this to be painted how is she going to be able to decide any other concerns or issues on a piece so you may just want to walk away so it's kind of you know one of the things to kind of like sense you know how much of a of a of a issue or or i like to use the term pita you know uh, how much of a pita they're going to be because <laughs> I only have so much time in a day. I can only answer so many questions a day. And in the end, I still need to make money.
0: Yeah. Well, I know we work on, you know, at least in, at work where I deal with commercial roofing, um, there's a lot more zeros after most of our projects. Um, mm-hmm. Commercial roofing is obnoxiously expensive, but there are certain architects we deal with. There are certain customers we deal with where we don't walk away because of the PETA, but we add a percentage because of the PETA. Yes. Um, and all that frustration costs money. And shame on us for not realizing it on the first job. But you know what? Um, we're not going to make that mistake twice. So things cost more the second time because of the attitude of the customer.
2: Yes. And, you know, and if and sometimes the saying is, if you know they're going to be a PETA, then you just, like you said, add several numbers to it, and or, or zeros. And if they still say yes, you just swallow your tongue and say, "Well, you know, at least they said yes, and I can deal with them a little bit more." Yeah, and, it's a,
0: it's a lot easier to deal with when you know you're making good margins. But if you're yes. really tight and struggling to break even, and they're a pain in the ass,
2: everyone loses. Yes, I agree totally, totally. So you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a battle, and sometimes. It's a battle to get paid. You know, you get the work done, but now come pick up your item. Let me deliver your item. You know, and that headache also adds a lot of stress to it. So by you having work constantly coming in, even though a delivery did not occur or a pickup did not occur, at least you got something coming in. So, you know, I, I hate the saying of that, a starving ar- artist. I don't want to be a starving artist. <laughs> I want to I be appreciated for a skill. I want to be classified as a mechanic. You pick up your car. You pay for your car. You pick up your furniture. I want to get paid.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and I try to really strive to share that message with people so they understand that I'm am also giving you a service, and you know, there's a responsibility and there's an agreement, and let's please stick to those agreements.
1: Hmm. Well, you've at least built enough of a pro- portfolio to to show what you can do. <laughs> that I hope you're getting a great deal of respect.
2: Well, you know, the problem is there's a lot that you don't see online because of the contracts I signed. There's a lot of pieces in museums across the country that you don't see that I've done. Which is more than most people can say. Yes. But (laughs) unfortunately, I can't show that to anyone. Right. So really what I have is an amazing collection in my computer that makes me happy, (laughs) makes me proud. But besides my parents or my better half, who can really understand what skill I have? If, if
1: you if you had a, a sit-down with a potential client, could you display that and go, Well, yeah, look, I can do this, 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 and this, and here's examples.
2: Yeah, Not physical,
1: know. but I mean you can at least share it that way.
2: I, I if I really want to, the answer is yes. If my other previous examples in my portfolio doesn't nail it for me, right. I won't go I won't go into depth where where they can see it and what museum was it and what year or anything like that, because I hate to for them to figure out where it is and contact someone in the area and then I get, you know, cease and desist letter or they try to sue me. But yes, <laughs> right. you know, I, I I would be able to show them like this is what I've done. Does
0: does that kind of work while I realize that it's not something you can go out there and, you know, commercially market within the field of repair and restoration for museums, is this the kind of thing you can share around and at least generate more business on that front? No, not at all. So the different museums don't share who they're using?
2: No, they usually, they're usually very competitive, even though they, they say they're not. And they, really, they have a really closed group, and it's really hard to break into that shell. I'm extremely connected, and I still have a struggle uh, to get into that. Because even though high-end conservators in the field have told me you know, off the record that all this education is a whole bunch of BS, they will never tell that in their group of individuals saying that this all this education that you need is BS. So they will tell you, where's your papers? What documentation of education background and history and art history and all this chemical science and chemistry and this nonsense. And I'm saying this as I throw my hands in the air and roll my eyes back. <laughs> and because you don't, you know, do you need some chemistry? Yes. Do you need to understand the, the chemical science? Yes. But for three quarters of the stuff... You just need to be shown or you need to be explained or you can learn in the field. I personally think you do not need to get this doctrine or go through all this process. I've worked in conservation studios with high-end conservators, and I ask them, should I go to school for this? And they all say, no, it's a waste of time. So why does it matter so much in the field for me to show this paper?
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. So, I mean, how, how did you get into restoration in the first place?
2: Well, you know, when I went to Phil's school at the Furniture Institute in Beverly, uh, he always mentioned that, you know, when when North Bennett used to come in before he started off his own school, he said they all came in when he was working on the high boy or on antique furniture. But he says he never saw that. He, they never came around when he was working on the garage doors to fix. <laughs> so basically, he said that you'll never starve if you're willing to repair. And yeah. I, I took that as a way to. Realize that, you know, this whole high glory of making furniture isn't an everyday thing. So you need to be able to develop connections or you need to be able to repair furniture. So hopefully the clients will share your name. So I learned a lot from Phil. He gave me a good solid foundation. I read a ton. I have way too many books. I used to every week I used to get books. And I used to read them all and and I learned that way. And I and the reason why I'm so successful at my age is because I failed miserably several times. But the only thing I knew is this. High glue is your friend, and shellac sticks to everything, and everything sticks to shellac. So if anything happened that I did not like, or if I screw something on top of the shellac, I can take the mineral spirits, I can take the lacquer thinner, or whatever chemical I need, and it won't affect the shellac. So that means I'm back to bear one, or you know, step one. So that allows me to have control. And it may want to pull out my hair, but I knew that at least my prior step was safe. And then after that, you know, everyone everyone thinks they're secrets. The only reason why they're secrets is because it's easy. It's because it's so <laughs> stupid easy that they don't want you to find out how stupid easy it is. So once you trial and error and you fail, there's nothing you can do wrong if you understand the basics. And you understand that shellac is your friend, high glue is your friend, and that you can do everything you've done can be totally stripped off if it, if it needed to. So that's kind of how that saved me.
0: Did yeah. did you learn those couple of basics with Phil or is that something you had to get out on your own to realize it's just as long as I can function on this, I can make it work?
2: Well, you know, I, I learned uh, the high glue a lot from Phil. You know, I learned a lot also from Patrick Edwards, who you know, from San Diego and the American School of Marketry, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I learned a lot from Don Williams and, uh. You know, I'm always asking questions and I, you know, I get the name or the big name, the sponge, cause I'm always soaking up information. I kind of remember all these things. And then, you know, those guys really did help me to get an understanding of it, but information only does you so much. You actually have to physically do it and, sure. you know, you can't be scared of mistakes or, or failing. And we, and that's the issue with most woodworkers are always hesitant or if I read another person stressing out about a glue up and, <laughs> and and the next thing you know it's like, well, this is why they have old brown glue and this is why they have epoxy with two hour open time and this is why they have, you know, high glue with reversibility, it's all easy. And then you don't even if you're using the proper finishes or the proper glue, you don't even have to worry about staining or, or glue splotches or anything. It's just like I can be sloppy and glue can be Everywhere, and I can just coat the whole thing with shellac, and I'm not even worried about it. <laughs> you know,
1: that's—I mean—good lessons learned, and uh and you're putting them to work for yourself. So, you know, kudos to you for sure. So,
0: let me ask that- you, Freddie. So, I think that it's clear that doing the restoration work allows you to do this, to, allows you to pay the bills with this. Um, yes, which is much better than the alternative, and. Mm-hmm you're working on pieces when you can so you'd mentioned before coming up with a a line of i think you call it spec furniture um mm-hmm. where you'd have different options basically you know a, a basic piece and then the customer could choose a couple different options in terms of the ornamentation and the finish and stuff so mm-hmm. how do you how do you stand with that and where do, how do you see that is that a different client base or would that dovetail into your existing client base or talk to us about how how a line of spec furniture fits in with and comes out of working in all this restoration work.
2: Well, I, I think what I have is I can sucker them into saying, you know, they come in, I fix, I fix their furniture. And then I also show them the shop and also say, Hey, this is look at this simple table I'm making. Look, at this simple sideboard I'm making, you know, these are very reasonably priced. If you're ever interested, you know, this is the the price for, it. or I can give them, I'm working on a brochure to show them, you know, options that they can purchase with pricing, and so that hopefully they can see that, you know, a lot of what's going on here in Boston. There's a lot of houses and a lot of a lot of a lot of individuals who are very wealthy, but they come in very, with very small apartments or condominiums, and they believe in the whole nightlife and they they want to enjoy what's in their surroundings, mm-hmm. but they still need that fundamental everyday, you know, desks and bureaus and and tables to just you know live their basic life in their house so i believe that if and they're all into this whole you know american and you know not affecting the trees the tree hugging nonsense
3: they're crunchy and
2: they're crunchy and and i respect that you know usually as i say you know you hug a tree when you see a tree hugger usually he's wondering how many board feet can he get from the tree really <laughs> um, but really um It's like by me being able to showcase them something of high quality, but still being relatively reasonable, but show them also that I'm not that much more expensive than um, Mosier. I'm not that expensive, too expensive of, you know, antique high end furniture, but I can still hit your demand, your size, your your style still be streamlined and clean that hopefully that I can sell them on something that I made. So I'm striving to draw them in for the services that I can give them, but also showcase to them that only for maybe a couple thousand dollars, I can give you these couple sweet little end tables with drawers, or this cabinet with doors and drawers. And I'm not scared to use modern technology, dominoes and biscuits and and whatever it takes. Do you? I'm
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. no go ahead. Um, when you you uh, you when you mentioned dominoes and biscuits and things like that. Mm-hmm. I fully adopt them. Um, but I know that there is a, a peer group of woodworkers who thinks they're cheating. Um, when you're talking to customers, do customers necessarily in your experience care whether you're using a floating tenon or a domino or an actual tenon or, you know, do, do they care about those kinds of things that mean a lot to woodworkers? Or is that just we're getting caught up on ourselves and most people don't care?
2: If it's a high-end, educated client that buys period furniture, most of them want it period correct.
0: Okay, that
2: makes sense. But the, but the majority of them, they don't even care. They, they don't care if I use a Craig jig. They don't care if I use a Domino. They don't care if I use dolls. They just want the end result.
1: For those that care about period correct, do you do you ever pull up the flawed dovetails and 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 you know original pocket holes back from the 1800s that were actually used in production?
2: Yes, you know, they when they say they want period correct, I will show them an example of what this is what period is. <laughs> yeah, is, is, here you go. And uh is this overcuts
1: what, and, and yes, all exactly. that stuff?
2: Yeah. Is this acceptable for you? If they say yes, then I'm I'm even more excited because it's like if I make that mistake, I'm I'm only human. I'm okay with that, you know. It's that so-called perfect ideal piece that you know it becomes a headache or that really anal client. It's it's the one that's very challenging. I'm happy to give them their perfection, but they need to understand they have to pay for the perfection. Mm-hmm. There's there's a huge margin in price difference between give me a reproduction. And looks like it versus I want a perfect piece. You know, I'm not, I strive for perfection, but the end results are what they are. I'm not going to, you know, I'm human. I want to enjoy my process. I worked hard for the skill. I don't want to work for a perfection because I'm not a machine. I am human. And I, and I try to, I try to educate them on that and make them understand that if you want this you know for example if you want this $10,000 piece if you want it perfect just add another $10,000 on that okay just because you want it to be perfect there is no difference in the quality or the end result but you're demanding french polished drawer sides and and you know seamless non-overcut tight tenons that you know everything you know <laughs> that's what you get that's what you got to pay for and honestly i'm not interested
1: yeah gonna- i mean yes an artisan but not not the everyday craftsman yeah would go to that detail
2: you know and 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 people don't understand and people may think I'm crazy it's just like you know this stuff is just wood it grows on trees it's going to move no matter how hard you try and you know i you want an end result and i just want to enjoy the process cuz i unfortunately don't get to keep the furniture
1: right so, yeah. yeah yeah that's a valid thought <laughs> like you may enjoy it for the next generation I only get it while I'm making it. So, yes,
2: exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And if you don't, uh, if you're not enjoying the process, then you need a new job.
2: Yeah. You know, if you're not enjoying the process, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And um, it's, 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 it's a tough business. I'm not going to lie. And, uh, uh, and when I was 17 years ago, when I was thinking about getting into this full time, I asked every single contributing editor of Fine Working that has worked there or, or did work there. And I asked many professionals in the field, and every single one of them, except Phil Lowe, because he probably had a school and he suckered me to go there, <laughs> Okay, said, no, do not do this full-time. Every single one of them.
3: Yeah. Mm. And,
2: uh, and it was very disheartening, but uh, I, I just, for some odd reason, thought I can go out and do it. And it's taken a long time, and it's, it, there's been some hiccups in the road, and uh, I feel... That I work harder than I ever have. Every single year, every year I say, "How can I work harder?" And every year I do, and I do more. And uh, I feel that this year is my is my beginning of really finally being able to purchase a house, finally getting well, you. you know you know the necessary necessary things done in my life. So, well, from Today where I sit, it, which is
0: unfortunately not as a consumer of pieces you make or uh, historic reproductions or real furniture but just as where i sit in the uh, in the woodworking community you seem to be working your ass off and um at least from here you seem to be succeeding so um were you were, were were all the people who said no no don't do it was there some truth in that or did you do the well, right thing by going off and, and listening to Phil and doing what you're doing? Cause you seem like you're doing it right to me, but I, I, I don't have to deal. I don't have to live the life that you're living. So, mm-hmm. um, how's it going? Cause you seem like you're kicking ass.
2: Well, you know, um, I will say today the world has changed drastically. Like, you know, there's so much information online. There's so many videos online. There's a lot of great information. There's a lot of great podcasts on how to learn learn how to run a business there's even a podcast i would listen to the other day about taxes and uh and the approach you should go for a business so all these things are very beneficial which none of that stuff really occurred you know in the early 2000s even in when i was in school even today at both schools in boston and massachusetts they have this romantic feeling of like you know you're doing such great work and hand skills but really You have no idea what the business world is. Okay, right? It's it's far more difficult than you can ever imagine. If you think you're gonna be making period furniture, you better think again. You're gonna be gluing up some kitchen chairs or some dolls and some IKEA furniture, (laughs) and it's not it's not pretty. And you know, when you're younger, you're willing to do anything. But as you get older, it gets very frustrating. You know, I'm not gonna lie. There's been moments of tears and frustration and anger. And, you know, so-called checks in the mail and so-called, you know, things are coming in. So it's a struggle. And uh, I've learned from my from my experiences and I'm very nice but stern on my demands. Like, you know, I'm finishing up a job for a big corporate company now. I say, okay, the last four chairs are done. They're ready to go. When Once I receive payment, once payment has been cleared, I'm more than happy to deliver the chairs. Now, that experience comes from someone not paying me, someone canceling a check, someone I had to take a court. Okay. Right. And, you know, and those are hard lessons. And you hopefully will, you know, listen to your gut when you have that anal client who's being very picky or always questioning you. When you get that feeling, that sunken feeling, you know, that maybe you should really think this over. You should listen to yourself and move on and be like, here's your money. I don't even want any money for the materials and just walk away. I, so I, it, I
0: absolutely understand all that. And I've learned mm-hmm. that at work, not in the shop. Um, and I, I don't know, like I would to anyone listening who thinks of this as a business. That's the difference between doing this as a hobby and doing this as a business is when you do it as a business, it has to be a business. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to it than just making nice furniture.
2: You know, a perfect example. There's a couple of things. I, even though I love my family, I don't do business with family mm. okay thats that's number one lesson I highly will recommend tons of other people, but let you know that besides me introducing you, I have no part of it, and then I have no interest in doing anything for family. this is my daughter or you know if I have some kids in the future that's lesson number one and the lesson number two is um is is you have to be protect yourself. And you have to have contracts and you have to have proper wording. And you have to have, a, have them sign it and have the proper documentation and have the prop, you know, have control. Request money, half up front, a quarter, halfway done, and the other quarter on delivery. If you do half and half, the last half must be in a bank check because then you have the control. If they give you a personal check, they can cancel on you. If they pay credit card, they can cancel it on you. You have no control. And unfortunately, even the masters around here are still getting people not wanting to pay and they're all sending them a court, okay? Yeah. There's nothing, dif- nothing different between me and the masters, for, you know, who's been in the field 40 years. They're still getting screwed. So what protection you have is to properly suggest and do your background a, and observe what how can you be protected. Because unfortunately, there's a ton of scammers out there and they're not going to pay you. No, I, well,
3: I absolutely
2: what I, agree. What I was going to say is, I just remember, I have a friend named Jasper, Paul Jasper. He comes into my shop. He's a mad, I call him a mad scientist because he's a scientist and he's a very knowledgeable person. He comes and helps me in the shop maybe once a week and he thought to do this full time in the future. He quickly learned that it is way more, more work than he ever thought, that his job is far easier in a sense of stress level per se than dealing with what I had to deal with because having to answer emails, having still to be in the shop 8 hours, still standing all day on your feet, sore hands, you know, lifting lumber, maintaining your shop, maintaining the machinery, doing ton of research for all the supplies you need. There's so much work and it's just not getting any easier. Um, those are lessons it, you got to learn.
1: And <laughs> you're a, you're a champ for doing it, honestly. I mean, it's I m- all the respect to uh, to a guy who's who's making a living out of of doing it, especially in the in the area you're in. Um, oddly enough, I I feel that if I were to go into restoration in my area, I I would I would fall flat because I don't I see more people buying Walmart furniture than even thinking what vintage might look like or last. <laughs> you know, it's it's sad but true.
0: I I think well, it's a double edged sword and. That being said, Freddie, you're living it. I, I get to think it. You have to do it. So you, you mm-hmm. an answer.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I do agree that not many people understand what quality furniture is, but can you blame them? You know, what examples do we have today? We have Walmart. We have Ikea, you know, everything, <laughs> you know, while while Ikea has beautiful, sometimes great designs, the structural construction of them is very poor. And if you read the fine print, which is really hard to find, even in, around here, it's like Jordan's Furniture or Bob's Discount Furniture. They tell you how long the life expectancy expect, expect, – oh, Jesus.
3: How long
2: <laughs> the furniture will last for, the, you know, for their lifespan. Okay? So on there, literally on like Bob's Discount Furniture, it says on there, the chairs are supposed to last 17 months. The are you kidding day, me?
0: 17 – I want to curse months.
2: now. 17 yeah. months? Yeah, it's ex- mm. so it's expected that the chairs will loosen up. To possibly, the finish will start being degraded. The dining table may get loose. There I have gum that th- lasts seventeen months. Oh, Jesus,
1: <laughs> in your abdomen? Oh my god!
0: <laughs> and I know the company you're talking about. They advertise here, yeah. like seven. T- I...
2: Ah, and, you know, IKEA furniture is the 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 rotation of furniture is about every two to three years. And that's not every single day use, You know, I, I don't even know if Ikea makes dining room tables because it's just like everything they do, even the kitchen cabinets and anything, they all fail within a couple of years. I know people who own them, they look gorgeous from like a museum uh, perspective. From six feet away, they look great. But the minute you start handling it, it's just like, what in the hell did you got here? Okay. It's just like, you know, it was like a Plymouth Horizon, you know, one of those old cars. <laughs> And it's just like, is this even a car? You know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> fantastic reference, fantastic. So,
2: and you know, my mom had one, so but and I and I and I ragged on. It. I was like, ma, what is this? Is this even a car? You know, I feel like we're in the Flintstones, man. I could I felt the pavement underneath me, but uh, but no one appreciates it. No one cares, you know. And uh, at the same time, can you blame them? You,
0: you know what? Because. In the world of things we make, materials are expensive. But even mm-hmm. more than that, time, it takes so much time that unfortunately most people can't afford to care. Yeah. Uh, you know,
2: I, I can't argue with them. Yeah. I can't argue with them buying furniture from Walmart and or anything like that. The only thing I can tell them is that, believe it or not, many of your flea markets or many of your little antique malls or… Little consignment shops. Surprisingly, for maybe a hundred dollars more, you get a piece from the 40s that will outlive anything you're going to buy today. Absolutely. And, and that's what I push. That's what I try to tell people that go ahead and buy those fifty dollars chairs. I'll charge you fifty dollars. I'll reupholster them. I'll go ahead and paint them for you because I can do that quick turnaround. And now you have something that will last a lot longer. And the carbon footprint has now been reduced because of mm-hmm. your purchase. And I mm-hmm. really strongly push that. And I'm not ashamed to work on anything. I'm not one of those guys that I'm too good for anything. I'm not that. I, what I want is to be able to wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to walk to my shop and live the dream. Mm. You know, that's what I want. I want to be able to work with my hand. I'm my own boss. And if I, something comes up, you know, that wasn't planned, I can afford to leave the office and make it up later. Right. You know, that's the convenience I have.
0: Man. All right. So I'm not going to say we're running long because lately we just seem to be. It's, just, um, it's become it's a, a longer show, thing. so I hope people yeah. enjoy it. Um, but before we do wrap this up, uh, one more question about it is mm-hmm. – so we, we we talked about the spec furniture and about different values and um, things you make. Let's assume that you've got a patron.
3: Mm -hmm. who's actually
0: going to pay what you deserve for what you want to make. Mm -hmm. What would you be
2: making them, Freddie? What would I be making them? I would be making them some form of marquetry piece of furniture. Okay. Pictures in wood. There's something, for me, there's something sexy about it. All the different veneers and the 3D effect that you can get. And I'm using technology. I'm going to go ahead and, you know, use Rhino and get a nice... You read, you know, define image and I'm going to refine it and I'm going to use all these beautiful veneers. and Rhino. The world. Rhino is this uh, drawing like SketchUp, but much more uh, sophisticated. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has a capability of manipulating images and getting it pixelated so that you can actually ha- have the outlines of all the petals and the flowers and everything else. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. So, Marquetry is what. All things been equal, would you prefer to be doing down the shop?
2: My goal in the future will be, it'd be you know, yes, involving more marquetry and inlay in my work.
1: Is that because of the tech, the tactical challenge of the work?
2: Um, probably, but I really do enjoy veneer, and I do I do love working with all these different exotics, and you know, because again, I'm taking advantage of the old timers there that, that are retiring. There is so much veneer everywhere in these shops because unfortunately no one buys the veneer they need they want to be hoarders of everything (laughs) so and most of the time they don't even use the majority of it so the market is like machinery today it's like the market is flooded okay so now you have access to to all this material that was housed in all these old shops but now everyone's moving to florida or something so like you know like i try to tell phil my mentor he used to have you know, this Oliver 16-inch joiner, he's like, oh, you know, this is worth like 4500 And I go on Craigslist, like, well, I can just see them for one for 1500 It once was 4500 now it's chump change. So the market's getting flooded. So there's a cycle going on, and hopefully you can jump on that, you know, estate sale and uh, get what you want out of it.
0: Hmm. I need to buy more equipment in Massachusetts. Yes, you do. Yeah.
2: No, seriously. You know, by- um, all, all
0: say help- if I see you at Fine Woodworking, we're going to have a discussion about that.
1: <laughs> for sure. um, if nothing else, put it on your Craigs, Craigslist search, yeah. yes. whatever, the area. It's it, a short it's, drive for you, much shorter than mine.
0: Yeah, well, I can. it's not a pleasant day, but I can drive up to Massachusetts and come back home in the same day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you know, they said per capita in all the states, Massachusetts has the most woodworkers in America.
0: I believe it.
1: I uh, totally believe it, absolutely.
2: So. So th-
0: that was something you kind of touched on, and I I didn't want to interrupt you before. But is it kind of a double edged sword in that, as a professional woodworker who is selling his his abilities in terms of both restoration and woodworking, is it a double edged sword in that you're in an area where there are lots of other woodworkers, so it's competitive, but at the same time you're in an area where there is a market for what you're doing, so even as competitive as it is, you can at least find work. I
2: I will say, I will say you can find work. Yes. Um, And there, there are more people willing to, to invest in some form of style furniture, but really the, the more investment is into built-ins into, into what they can invest in the house versus really furniture. There is occasion. There is occasionally, uh, a time where people are willing to invest in furniture, but really they 're thinking about I want to live with something grand but also gain a benefit from value and usually that would be invested back in a home so right now, in this area, the most successful people are the young contractors in this area because they 're doing totally you know gut jobs or building and, and renovating so what what I do is I connect with them through Instagram and other social avenues. And say, hey, you need that handrail, French polished. Hey, you need that, you know, crown molding reproduced. Hey, do you want the entry doorway, you know, refinished? And then once you see that, they also say, oh, can you, you know, this client also wants some furniture done. So right. I try to t- take advantage of like, you know, no one wants to run twenty linear feet of reproduction molding because it takes too much effort. They don't want to grind the knives or anything, but I'm willing to do that, and I'm willing to charge a lot more. Because no one wants to do it. So that oddball job usually opens a door for me to say, Hey, my client also has some furniture that needs modification or, or restoration. Will I be interested? So that's how I try to tackle it.
3: Gotcha.
0: All right. Well Freddie, I could we could seriously talk about this all night, but it's uh it's rapidly approaching tomorrow. I'm and, dumb, <laughs> <but>. <laughs> we need to start closing this up. So um we will uh we we will we will close out in a moment, but before we do that, Sean, I think we ran mm-hmm. a contest recently.
1: We did. Uh if if people uh listeners have, have uh listened to our previous episode. <laughs> I we, hope the
0: listeners or, listen.
1: I hope the listeners listen. Indeed. Uh the uh the the case of the drill NATO was brought up, and, and the ill-fated contest that we spun up while oh, excuse, recording. Excuse me, excuse me. Sorry.
0: Ill-fated? No, no, no. I think that <laughs> uh, our our previous guest, Tim, Mr. Tim Sway, uh, did a fantastic job of stepping in when I was absolutely bumbling about, what do we do with the drill dinner we want to give away? and uh, On the spot. Tim I came guess. up, it exactly, was... on the spot yeah. Yeah. with the idea of having a haiku contest. <laughs> yes. And Tim, pr- hats off to you! It was a great idea. Um, so we are going to give the drill NATO away to the winner of the haiku contest who wrote a haiku about about the drill Yeah. <laughs> so now I'm going to give a dramatic reading of the winning haiku. <laughs> Poetry is dumb. Drill is amazing. I want the damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> this was not the the most poetic uh entry. It was not the most woodworking related entry, but it was the one that tell me if I'm wrong here, Sean, but it was the one that spoke to our hearts.
1: It it does. Uh, it it's the apples to apples answer uh to to the the question. It it fit the uh the judges very well.
0: Yes. Yes. So uh that goes out to to Robanjo, who I will admit I do not know on uh, on the social media, but it is uh, at Robanjo. So I will send you a message after this, and uh, and we'll get you some information, and we'll see how we can send you this drill NATO. So I thank everyone for for joining. I want to thank Drill NATO for uh, giving me an extra drill NATO when I was at the woodworking shows, um, and hopefully you'll enjoy it because it's not a panacea for dust of the drill press, but it, it does a pretty damn good job for what it is.
1: And I, I, I want to mention just on the side of that, um, another product placement. But um, I just saw a video this morning over coffee um, that Sterling Davis put up mm-hmm. of what he called it. I don't even know if it's from the same company, but a drill NATO for a scroll saw. Yes, um,
0: drill, that is drill NATOs. I was speaking okay. with um, – I, I apologize for not remembering the guy who is drill NATO. It's a one-man shop. Um, okay, He has a – a dust collection for a scroll saw, which seemed to be pretty damn good.
1: It looked really good. And um, from the one uh, exercise in, in showing what it can do, it looked like it worked really well. I don't personally have a scroll saw, um, but this was, a, this is a, 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 a basically a kind of a teed multi hose thing going on. Um, but it, it draws a bit of dust collection from above and below the blade on a scroll saw which greatly decreases what dust is spread apart you know or, or away from the normal just having air to kind of push away from the top side yeah well, yeah the, the cool blood. thing about it
0: is it collects having talked to him and seen it at the show it collects dust from both above and below the table and the blade mm-hmm. actually passes through it um it's a very simple straightforward design but um the blade passes through it and it seemed to get fantastic uh, dust collection. Um
1: yeah, and I don't I don't know who else is out there just um uh, Sterling happens to be in my YouTube feed, so I I just it caught my eye and I grabbed it and um but if if you were a scroll saw sawer, uh I would uh, suggest you may look into that cuz it looks like it is a a fairly uh good solution for dust collection in those applications.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. It looks pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, I in it's not like dust on those things is drastic, but it's all those little fines that those saw teeth produce that are kind of floating around there, especially if you've got, got one air ejector on the top that's just blowing them away. Um, this is actually drawing them away from above and below. Again, I mean, it's, I, don't, I, I honestly don't even know what they cost, but... Um
0: the the ones for the drill nice. press are not terribly expensive. Honestly, I don't know what the one for the scroll saw is cuz it didn't fit my scroll saw. I didn't really look into it. Um, it's not
1: much to it though. I mean, it's it's a bit of flexible hose and yeah. a T or two and and done. Uh, a magnetic holder for
2: the You upper have
0: arm. it up on on Amazon, Freddie. What's what's the price? It can't be very expensive.
2: The scroll nato is for 49.99 with Amazon Prime. Yeah. Done. Mm-hmm. And you
1: go. you've got it by Tuesday, you know. It's like done. <laughs> yeah, totally
2: speaking to them
0: they're working on one i don't know if i'm uh, i speaking out of school here but they're working on one for uh delta 14 inch bandsaws mm. um oh
2: i would lo- i would love that
0: yeah so I, I i told them once they come out with that i want to i want to talk to them and i i don't have a 14 inch delta bandsaw so i can't try it out but i want so many people have that saw and the jet version and every other imported version that is like le- the ubiquitous bandsaw. So I think that um, if they can do what they're doing at the drill press and at the scroll saw for the bandsaw, that's going to be tremendous because while that is the ubiquitous bandsaw, it has terrible dust collection.
2: <laughs> oh God, awful. Um,
0: so, yeah, so, uh, so Roban Joe on Twitter, Uh, congratulations on the, the Joel NATO, I have DM'd you in the process of this conversation. So let me know, uh, where to send it and we'll get one right off to your way.
1: There you go. And that'll, uh, that'll move us right into the, uh, fortnightly beer choices. Um, but we need to start this with something, Diami, that, uh, that you put in there that I, I deeply, uh, uh, am entertained by. (laughs) Absolutely. Um. And,
0: um, I presume that most, if not everyone who listens to this, knows who Laura Croft is. Um, Certainly, she is more of a maker than a woodworker per se. Uh, Lately, it seems that most of her work has been done with metal, but she does work with wood. She does with everything. Um, Her most recent project, as of this recording, was the beer bike, which is essentially Mm -hmm. a BMX bike grafted onto a hand truck Mm -hmm. that... Spe- seems to specifically exist simply for transporting cases of beer. Yes, um, and that is whether it's made of wood or metal or whatever. That's a project I can certainly get behind. <laughs> yes, indeed.
3: <laughs> uh, indeed,
0: so we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And if you haven't watched the video yet, it's a it's a great video. Laura is she's just a she's a phenomenal cinematographer, and her videos are just amazing. So it's a great video. And it's a really fun, amusing project. And if I had a bike and a welder, I'd probably make one too, just to bring beer from the beer fridge into the kitchen. So um <laughs> it's, just, it, it's just a great, great fun project. So I, I had to share that.
1: Yeah, no, it's very, very good. But I on on to our choices. Um I, I will start I uh I mentioned before we started recording that I have a nice heavy nightcap with me tonight. Um Dogfish Head's old school it is a he- heavy oh, by alcohol content uh barley wine uh ringing in at 15% uh, wow. lovely if if you're into barley wines um tends to be a little uh a little sweet um not 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 hard to drink not heavy but uh definitely alcoholic at that level <laughs> um is a is a fine brew
0: i will have i to highly recommend try it. that i as i as i told you before i've kind of stayed away from it because the barley wine aspect of it does not interest me. But, uh, I don't mind the sweet beer every once in a while. Just
1: try. I mean, it's not sweet. It's got that like kind of, uh, background raisin sweetness to it. Okay. Yep. That barley wines tend to have in in some of them. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can get it, check it out. It's, um, it's not bad. It's definitely because of how much it is. That's a, that's good for the night.
0: I thought I was drinking a strong beer at 9%, but apparently you've, gotcha. out, you've outdone me. <laughs> gotcha. Yes. Um, mine is, is from The Alchemist, which is a brewery up in Stowe, Vermont. And uh, my sister-in-law was up there and brought me back a treasure trove of Alchemist brews for my birthday. Um, so what I've been drinking tonight is The Crusher, which is an American double IPA. And this, along with the other alchemist beer that i had last night i'm blanking on what that one was um at least based on these two brews and based on the description of the other two that are in my fridge the alchemist is a very hop intensive brewery so if you don't like hoppy beers they're probably not going to be for you but within the realm of hoppy beers that i've tried they're fairly clean they're not syrupy um and they have a nice bright flavor to them so i I'm going to say for it's not it wouldn't be my everyday choice, but uh, but if you want a bold hoppy beer, it's a very good choice. It's the Alchemist Crusher. <laughs> Excellent, that's a great name.
1: Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I don't know if we we prefaced you on that, Freddie, but obviously we just gave our drink recommendations. Do you have one to share?
2: Well, since I do listen to your show, I made sure I had some beer on hand. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm not as fancy as you guys are. It so, uh, doesn't have to be. Uh, today, I was drinking, what is it called? Um, Woodchuck from Vermont in the amber flavor, which is a cider beer. But it's only 5%. And I do enjoy cider beer, but I also do love my sipping of blackberry brandy
3: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. even though blackberry brandy does remind me of the damtap cold <laughs> brandy, cold <laughs> brandy. um it, oh. it it's still still very good but before i started the show just in case i got a little nervous i did drink my southern comfort and lime which i do enjoy
1: mm-hmm. A little soco and lime that's nothing wrong with that
2: yeah Excellent. Wow, it it's been it's been
0: at least 25 years since I've had Dimetap, tap, but I know that flavor you're describing.
2: Yeah, it, you know, it t- it's addicting, it goes down smooth and if you drink too much of it, it will hit you.
1: <laughs> it's been near it's been nearly 20 years since I've had southern comfort and uh, I can relate to that. Mhm. Too long, too long.
0: <laughs> well, well done. And the yeah. fact that you were you what you had to have some some soco before you came on the air with us I'm I'm humbled. Yes,
1: indeed. <laughs> well, I, I don't like to think we're that intimidating, but
2: I, I, I believe it or not, even though I don't come across as shy, I am a little shy. That's all so right. right. That that helps helps me kind of calm down the nerves.
1: <laughs> that is is fine and dandy. <laughs> so, just briefly touching on on where. Uh, where people can find us uh, in the near future, uh, Diomi. The ne- the next event, is, as we have mentioned before, is Final Working Live at the end of April in uh, in lovely Massachusetts.
0: Absolutely, um, I'll be there with Bell uh,
1: and you'll be there. And hopefully, I I shouldn't have a problem. But I I hope to have at least have a car there. I will be in sunny <laughs> North Carolina while you're in Massachusetts. I,
0: I know the guy who's running it. I'll I'll make sure I get your car entered.
1: There you go i'll buy I'll badger him too <laughs> um, but uh beyond that, that just about wraps up our show. um If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. then you'll never miss any of our exciting new episodes. While you're there, please leave us a review.
0: Thank you for listening to the Modern Woodworkers Association if you'd like the show. Be sure to visit ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. The best thing you can do is tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing a discussion. Um, and Freddie, where can people find more about you online?
2: Uh, more about me? Anything with the word period craftsmen? Uh, crafts with an S, plural men, M-E-N, on Instagram or on my website, periodcraftsman.com, or on Facebook or Twitter. I'm per- practically everywhere. So period craftsmen.
1: Excellent. And- I noticed it was, it was plural. Crafts, yes. men. Yes. Are you representing a group?
2: I'm representing that there is no job too small because if I can't handle it, I will find a group of individuals who will work with me to handle the job I hand. Perfect. absolutely
1: sir and uh and with that i I am sean was of the corner workshop i'm at seanw78 on most social medias including untapped uh and uh check me out on facebook
0: i am at diami plotky on twitter and if you follow me there you'll follow me everywhere Uh, but i am also available as penultimate woodshop on untapped and as diami plotky on the twitters and the facebook Awesome. All right. So, with that, I think I like this theme. Go take your sander, make some piece of wood lighter, uh, as in it weighs less, and uh, stay safe in your shop. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Thank you.
1: This is your geography
3: lesson for the evening.